BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Sponsored by The Outsider's Edge. The Total Package Series. Ten metrics, five weeks, one series. Join me, Ray Cash, and Carl Irvin as we break down The Total Package, only on TheChairShot.com. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers, nerds of all kind. It is time to come in for another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. It is uh, another good time here in the Nerdosphere. It is me, the lawyer Dave Unger. I am your host today. Patrick O'Dowd 
is out today. He is celebrating his birthday. You know, everybody's got to get one year older. So, oh, well. So Patrick's out today. I think he's even working too, which really sucks. Working on your birthday and you can't be a part of Bandwagon Nerds. But I'm not alone here today. Of course, I have a excellent diversified panel today. There you go. We're diversified today, guys. <laughs> so we've got some uh, some great people on here. Of course, let me introduce first a regular on the show, the live studio audience, the one and only PC Tunney. Mr. Tunney, watching, hopefully, the Islanders take down the Penguins right now. How are you doing, PC? I'm doing great. I had a nice round of golf. I had a nice day yesterday. I'm, Patrick's missing because of work. That's fine. If he's missing because of birthday, hell no. Presidents have been set. I'll do two shows on my birthday, motherfuckers. But happy birthday, Patrick. We miss you. We love you. I know you're working. That sucks. I wish you happy slow-mos from Zack Snyder and all the rise of Skywalker reboots and rewatches you can have. Fuck yeah, For your special birthday present. We love you, Patrick. Uh, I think you just made my day, Ray. (laughs) That was excellent, Ray. Very well done. You heard him, the Reverend Ray Cash, another of the regulars here on the Bandwagon Nerds. The Rev, how are you doing, Rev? What's what's happening in your world? I am out of town. I'm uh, as the journalists say, I'm on location. Uh, but I'm good, man. It's been a long weekend, but a good weekend. And I am ready. I, look, I couldn't miss two in a row. I know last week I missed y'all. Good show last week, by the way. Thank I you. enjoyed it. Thank you very much. It's it's good to have Ray is deep, deep, deep undercover this week that's i mean the man running without headphones without a microphone i mean he is going native right now just just as naked as you can get with this podcasting shit remember that part in iron man 2 where they had the the screen where they showed all the dots i'm on one of those undercover dots i'm the new agent colson sweet that's awesome. We need we need all the Agent Colsons we can get. And we have, of course, a fourth member this week returning to the bandwagon, returning to the basement. We let him out for a little while. He just got into too much fucking trouble. Something about giraffe pussy. I don't know what was that all about. But it is my the one and only Christopher Platt is here. Mr. Velvet Pipes, the voice of Chairshot Radio, the voice of the Chairshot.com. Absolutely. Well-deserved. Chris, how are you, sir? Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Dave, thank you for having me back on here. I always have a good time. Happy birthday, P.O.D. Hope you enjoy it. Don't work too hard. Hopefully you're hardly working instead of working hard. But enjoy your day, brother. And yeah, man, it's always a, a pleasure to be here in the basement. And just so everybody knows, I'm anti-bestiality. That's just, right. Just, just, just so we're clear. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of that, you know I live in I live in the South. We can't have basements. I live on uh, Houston sea level. Technically, can it be? Uh, can I be an attic dweller? Yeah, yeah. You're hanging yeah. out in the attic. I mean, California is the same thing. We can't have basements because you know earthquakes and shit like that. They won't last very long. So yeah, we're not really basement dwellers. Attic dwellers it gets awfully warm up there in the summer though. So it I don't does. know, but. That's the basement's good for. Even if you don't have air conditioning, you just in the summer you just go in the basement. <laughs> Ray, you're you're in the apartment above the garage on the Mike Seaver Goran Payne side of the game. Oh, so I live where Fonzie lived? Hey. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
It is. It is the Fonz's house. There you go. He could have been on the. He could have been a hero of TVs last week. We didn't even think about the Fonz, but all right. Well, by the way, real quick, you know who I thought about that y'all didn't say? Who? Two people. I thought about B. A. Baracus, Mister T. Yeah. And I thought y'all gonna hate it, but honestly, I we hate the person, but Hulk Hogan probably should have been on that list. Listen, I've been under the impression that these are superheroes, not just heroes. So. That's my excuse for Mr. T. Hogan, eh. The A-Team is a superhero team, just with no superpowers. I know. I said if it's just a hero, then I'm he's on the list, right? Because I love it when a good plan comes together. You know, I got nothing against that. <laughs> to be okay. fair, though, man, when Hogan hoked up, that was uh, hoking up ain't a superpower. Fair enough. Brother. <laughs> That's true. He could do anything. Once, once, once that hulking up went down, Hulk Hogan was unstoppable. Andre the Giant, get out of my way. Time to slam your yeah, ass adrenaline down. Is a, adrenaline <laughs> is a melon farmer, man, apparently, right? <laughs> nice. And, and yes, everybody from, everybody listening, make sure, make sure you wish the one and only PC Tunney a happy birthday. 40 years old, folks. He's only oh, 12 oh, behind okay. me now. I don't think he's going <laughs> to catch me. Old ass. Yes, I know. Old oh. motherfuckers that we are. Except old. Except for Red. The old guy beat every all the young guys at the golf course today. So forty ain't so bad so no, far. It's the new thing. Yeah, you had to go to bed at six to be able to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> No, just flip that six upside down. A little performance said, enhancing drugs said, never hurt anybody. I I I, I obeyed I obeyed, obeyed societal laws and I watched the prelims on ESPN and I didn't order the fight and I went to bed <laughs> at nine. That, that was a sneak diss, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if y'all picked up on that, but that was a sneak diss towards yours truly. Talk about I, I paid <laughs> I paid attention to societal laws. <laughs> nice, awesome. Well, birthday wishes notwithstanding, it is week two. Part two of the Hero Project, we are going to be running down our top 10 greatest heroes in movie history. Best heroes in movies. We did TV last week. We're going to do movies this week. But before we get into that, and full disclosure, because last week we wanted to talk about this, but Patrick, PC, Tunney, and I made the executive decision that three white guys talking about the potential for a black Superman probably wasn't a good idea. Because what the fuck do three white guys know about this topic other than I know Superman? That's the only thing. But we wanted to have, and that's why the joke about diversity at the beginning was kind of thrown out there. We wanted to have some friends of ours who could relate to this topic and and give us their unique perspective on the the notion of, and and Chris was on on DWI yesterday where AJ Belaz just said the world's not ready for a black Superman, right? Chris, you heard it with your own ears, right? He did say that, yes, Dave. And <laughs> since you threw it out there, in continuing my tradition of making everybody on bandwagon nerds extremely uncomfortable, bringing up diversity, we've got blacks, wasp, and Jews. Oh my! I tell you, <laughs> let's get it. <laughs> I tell you, yeah. Nobody can claim that bandwagon nerds is is not equal opportunist or that we're not, not diversified. Wasp. We got blacks, not, Jews, I'm, and and what oh. is what is PC Tunny? I'm a Lutheran. We don't dance. Oh. <laughs> I see. That was a shot. That was just a shot. But yeah, tech, yeah, I'm a Luther. So, to, I, dance. I to, dance. To come full circle, the latest Luther, buzz that has been going on. Baptists, yes. But none of the good music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. 
there every the talk now is that DC is going in a much different direction for Superman. They're looking for a black director. They're looking for a black lead to play Kal El. Uh, they are going in, in this direction, and we've talked about it. Ray and I have talked about it. Uh, Patrick and Ray and I have talked about it. Tony's been involved. Chris, to some extent, in the bandwagon nerds chat. So we wanted to kind of bring this up and 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 get everybody's kind of thoughts on this interesting potentially controversial issue even though it shouldn't be but i guess it's going to be no matter what we do but it is the question i pose to you guys first off and i want to hear from chris and and ray first off your thoughts on the concept of a black superman and all joking aside with aj and all that sort of thing is is the world could probably care less the nerdosphere are they ready to embrace a black superman why or why not what are your guys thoughts on on this topic because i mean Superman, we're talking the most iconic of all superheroes, whether you love him or hate him. And I know I love him, Ray's eh, not so great about him, but whatever the case may be. So, so he doesn't, he doesn't have Zack Snyder hate for him, but he's not real thrilled with it. No, 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 not at all. So we are talking the original superhero, the most iconic superhero created by, as Chris has said in the past, two Jews in Cleveland. So, you know, that sort of thing. What are your guys' thoughts on this topic? And, and is the world ready for this kind of a, a, you know, going in this direction? So, no, the Nerdosphere is not ready for one. But the reason they're not is, and I, un, I, I, I sympathize with this situation. Nerds, comic fans, people of our ilk, only for the the majority of them, in a good in a good way. Just want to see what they've what they've read to be adapted the way they read it, and they want to see it the way they put it in their minds. For the entirety of his run, Superman has been a white dude. When I say Superman, I mean Clark Kent, Cal L has been a white guy. So I I get comic book fans' mindset that well he was white in the comics, he's got to be white on screen. My retort was the idea of Cal L was never about being white. His identity wasn't about being white. Much like Steve Rogers' identity is about being a white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. Or T'Challa's identity is about being an African dude from Wakanda. Like, Black Widow's identity is being a red-haired Russian lady, right? Some Some people need to be associated with a race or a culture or nationality Kal-El is an alien, so he doesn't have to be white, but he was because of the time he was created. So to say, are people ready for a black Superman? No. And that's the reason why I think if they go about the black Superman show movie, and that, well, first, that, let me say this. First, that's the reason why they're, they're coming so outward with it as a black Superman movie and not just casting a black dude, because they got to let you know up front, you know? No different than the controversy with Idris Elba possibly being James Bond. Well, James Bond ain't black. People would have said that about Cal L, but if you come up front and say it's going to be a black Superman movie, your bitching can be done way before they cast anybody. But secondly, that's why I think it has to be Cal L and not Val Zod, which I know you'll talk about later on, because people aren't going to go see, go pay to see a fake Superman in their eyes, even though he's not. Cal L is the Superman people know. You have to establish that a black dude can just play that role, in my opinion. 
Yeah, his origin story is very well known. Val Zod, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that, but that's some of the some of the criticism from from even the black community has come out and said, "Hey, we've already got this character. Why don't why aren't we developing him? Why are we trying to, you know, reprogram Kal El? Why don't we focus on this other character that's that's that that has been largely marginalized and ignored for many yeah. years? Why don't we just focus on that?" But Ray brings a great point that you know if you're if you're going to um you know if you're going to go in this direction of establishing a a black superman then you've almost got to retell the origin story that everybody knows cuz like you're saying the origin story is great regardless of who plays the role it's just a question of how well they play it chris your thoughts on on uh, on this issue man you know is it pandering because of the the world that we find ourselves in today in social justice and inclusion, I say that quotations and diversity, that's what's hot in the streets right now. It just is what it is. But, you know, like I touched upon in our our chat a few weeks ago, man, if you go back to the origin of Superman, like you alluded to earlier, Dave, Superman was created by two Jewish brothers in Cleveland. And number one, it's the story of Moses. I, you know, I, I, I know I get the Jesus mythology, and it, it always irritates me when people compare Superman to Jesus, which it's clearly the story of Moses. Number one, it was created by two Jewish brothers. Number two, if you look at the mythology of it, and to be fair, they really Christed it up in the movies, but an orphan. Moses was found floating down the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter. She yeah. took him in and raised him as his own. Superman was found out in the woods by the Kents. They took him in, raised him as his own, as their own. You know what I mean? The 12 years from 18 to 30 that he spent at the Fortress of Solitude, gaining all the knowledge and everything. That's akin to the 40 days and 40 nights that Moses spent up on Mount Sinai, chopping it up with God. And then he comes down with the Ten Commandments. Like, this is clearly the story of Moses. I understand why they Christified it in American pop culture, but it is what it is. It's Moses. But it, going back to that, going back to that lineage, two Jewish brothers from from Cleveland. To be honest, I mean his real name, Kalel. It's Hebrew and simply translates to "voice of God." Right? If the Bible is to be believed, the original Hebrew tribes came out of Egypt. They were freed from bondage from Pharaoh by God out of Egypt. The word Egypt is a Greek word that means land of burnt faces. You know, you know, uh, except for the aforementioned Hulk Hogan, I don't know how many white people have burnt faces. You know what I mean? Like that. I mean, the it, it's clear. It's clear. So if we're talking about the lineage of the character, it makes perfect sense for there to be a black Superman. It probably always should have been a black Superman. Obviously, in the 30s and 40s, that wasn't a possibility. But it, it seems like it always should have been that way, you know? But uh, doubling back to what you guys said and the question you asked, Dave, is America or yeah, is America ready for a black Superman? No, no, they're not. Yeah, it, it is what it is. And I, I, something else that I said, I, I don't want to go there, but I feel like I have to go there. And I, please don't I don't want to piss anybody off, but it is what it is. The reason that y'all and when I say y'all, I'm talking about white people specifically cling to these mythical characters, these comic book characters and the Star Wars and the Daniel Boones and the Davy Crockett's and the Long Rangers, even though Long Ranger was based off a black guy, but that's neither here nor there. It's because y'all been running the world for the last 6,000 years. You know, y'all been running shit. It is what it is. To the victor go the spoils. But because of that fact, there's not a lot of underdog stories in your recent history that you can go back to. Like, there's not a lot of 
overcoming obstacles that y'all can go back to. Like there is no, you have no Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or Cesar Chavez or anything like that. Y'all don't have any of that. So, you know, y'all cling to these characters as part of your history and your mythology for that reason, which is why people get so butthurt when they say, hey, we're going to cast a brother as Superman or, you know, we're going to, or Michael Clark Duncan is going to play Kingpin. Or Sam Jack is going to play Nick Fury, even though he did a fantastic job. Michael Clark, not so much, but R.I.P. But y'all get what I'm saying. So that's why this hits so close to home and, and people get so butthurt about that. But another distinction I think that we have to make. Yeah, maybe a possibly a black Superman, but not necessarily a black Superman film. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's just going to be a film and Superman happens to be black. Now, I know back in the day, if you have a black lead, you got to get a, a, a black heroine and, a, you know, a black love interest and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. then that kind of fucks you up at the box office because then it's going to be considered a quote unquote black film. So I but nowadays, I, I don't think we run into that. It'll probably be like a they'll probably do like a Latino Lois Lane or something like that. Let, me, split let me ask you, know? you, Chris, because you raise a good point at the outset of, of your discussion where you're talking about is, is it patronizing to to do this and is it is it all lip service just because hey look we're trying to right some wrong we're gonna get rid of splash mountain because it's got song of the south in it you know we're, we're trying to revamp all this shit do you think like if they're going in that direction that they almost have to cast a white lois lane i don't no. think they can that's it's why i all, said it, it, it's where, gonna be that just, no. go ahead why why wouldn't it it could be really it could be really whatever they wanted it to be but when superman is you know, falls to earth and, and become, and ends up staying with the Kents and everything. Right. You know, I mean, they made Superman white and so they had him adopted by a white family. So if you make Superman black, does he end up adopted by a black family? And then those values no. are instilled differently because there's a different culture. Not that the it's values be, are different, but the cultures are a little bit different. It's, it's going to be Kerry Washington and Michael Keaton. That's who gonna that's who's gonna be uh Martha and Jonathan Kent. That's how they're gonna do that. Do you know what I'm saying though? Does that make sense? I mean, what do you, you know what I'm saying though? Does that I, make sense? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you think about him being an alien and he gets his power on this earth from our yellow sun. That kind of leads you to think. Melanin. Like yeah. Melanin. I'm just saying. And, 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 uh, and that's my point, man, because I typically don't like shit like this because I think it is pandering and I roll my eyes at it. But if you look at the mythos and the origin of this character, powered by the sun, like my brother Ray just alluded to, all the, the, the Jewish and the Hebrew lineage in the character, this melon farmer should have always been melanated. And well, to the, po and to the point wanna, about... If you want to use the Moses thing, then he should be, you know, Jewish or Middle Eastern not african-american because you can say the jews came out of egypt but that's well, nobody said african-american they're I said original black, man. they're right but i'm that's yeah. not there's a, that's a distinction I'd with more, difference bro that's i'd say brown not black then how I, I literally just told you egypt is was greek for right. land I literally birth told you how is a white woman want, going like to raise Jewish a black child as her own to come in here and back me up about history of the jews leaving egypt because they don't originate in egypt they originate in israel they left egypt after they were enslaved sir they're not from there they were slaves and this egypt. part is true yes but they weren't egyptian no okay. they weren't egyptian but anyway, let me let me let me put this out to you guys, because everything you guys are saying is, is great and it's accurate. And I love your insight. And I know Ray and I had talked about this. And one of the things that I'd said to Ray is like, look, 
I, I don't have a problem with a, a black actor being cast as Superman. What I have a problem with is is if you're going into it saying it has to be a black actor, because to me, it's like whoever's the best actor, whether he's black, whether he's white, whether he's Asian, Latino, I don't care if he's the best person for the role. That's all that I care about, you know, to make the best movie possible Uh, going along those lines. And I know he's this guy's going to come up on our list. He's on Patrick's list. He's on my list. One of the big concerns I have is. When you look at iconic performances, okay, you look at iconic performances as superheroes, Christopher Reeve's performance as Superman, that casts a very big shadow over anything that anybody's going to do. Brandon Routh, I thought, did an excellent job as Superman and Clark Kent. The movie was not so great. Not on him. Henry Cavill was never accepted as Superman because, well, he's not Christopher Reeve. Do you guys think, regardless of who gets cast in this, and let's assume it is going to be a black a black actor. Uh, does that Christopher Reeve, the iconic performance that he does, does that put whoever this is behind the eight ball a little bit as far as, man, you've got a lot to live up to? Not only do you have people who are not going to accept you because of your, your race and your color, but now they're not going to accept you because you can't match that performance. Now, maybe somebody can, highly unlikely, but maybe somebody can. But what do you guys think about that? I mean, it, it is... Are they setting people up for failure with that? Well, now, now go ahead. I was about to say, now it's time for me to piss off black people. <laughs> um, I got to be honest. It doesn't matter. Like, are they going to be able to live up to Christopher Reeve's iconic performance? That's going to be very difficult. But the problem is, it doesn't matter. They're going, if they could be whomever they cast, and I don't think this is going to be the case personally, but whomever they cast, they could be the drizzling shits. It doesn't matter because people are going to be scared to call it out because they don't want to be perceived as being racist. So that I feel where you're coming from, Dave, but I honestly I don't think it matters because people are going to be scared to say they don't like it because they're going to, you know, they go, oh, you're a racist. I I think that that's what's going to happen. Plus, the backlash is going to be so apparent, like, you know, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So as as strong as the backlash is going to be, that's how strong that the the favor is going to be. And I'm not using the right terminology, but y'all know what I'm saying. No, I know what you're saying. And I mean, you're right. There's there's the real risk that no matter how great or shitty the performance is, everybody's going to say, oh, it's fantastic, even if it sucks. But, you know, you know, that's that is that is a risk. Ray, I know you had something to add to this conversation here. Yeah, well, to that to that first point, uh, everybody has preconceived notions about their superheroes, right? Everybody has some, so some people. Batman will always be Adam West. For other people, it'll be Keaton. For other people, it'll be Bale. Everybody always has their own interpretation and their preconceived notion of the character. So yes, no matter who plays Superman, that role and that the cape and the blue and red is going to be a burden for anybody. Regardless, number one. Number two, when you're thinking about it from a black perspective, you asked the question earlier, is it pandering? And my answer is yes, but they would never hire a black Superman otherwise. Sometimes you have to change the rules to let things be fair. It wouldn't be fair. You said, and I believe you completely because I know you, if they just happened to hire a Superman who was black, you'd be fine with it because it's the best actor. They would never do that. They would never just say, oh, this guy is the perfect, Michael B. Jordan is the perfect casting to be Cal L. Clark Kent. They'd never do it. 
that only look for white people for a number of reasons, because of the lineage of the character, because of the history of the country, because of how Hollywood operates, they'd never do it. So getting pandering and getting around it and just saying, screw it, we're going to tell you it's a black Superman from Jump, may ruffle feathers and make people feel bad, but at least you know what you're getting up front. And you can wrap your mind around it before anything starts. Because imagine how bad the movie was going to get ruined when they hire Michael B. Jordan for Justice League 2. You know what I'm saying? Right. It'd be it'd be ruined. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Actually, I would lo- I I want to see it. I want to see the story told differently. I guess. I mean, you can't tell the same story, right? You know. I mean, the a black Superman is going to be taken um, in the in the in the story of it, in the picture of it. You, a black man as Superman as Clark Kent is going to be accepted differently in society than as a white man, right? And you can explore all those things, right? Um, I am not a big Superman guy to begin with, to be honest with you, out of all of them. I've enjoyed Henry Cavill in in the Justice League things and Batman versus Superman. I actually enjoyed those movies and his interaction with Batman there. But I'm looking forward to Superman. I, I would like it told to me in a better way. And whether it's with a white, another white Superman, a black Superman, a Latino Superman... Just give me the story in a better light. And I think the country, whether or not they're ready for it, they need to be. Because why not? Tell me why we must put, well, Why not to have a black Superman. Let, let, let's piss everybody off, man. Let's make a, a, a black uh, Latino Superman. Let's piss everybody off. Put George Lopez in the role. There and everybody, Nobody's happy. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Wow. <laughs> George yeah. Lopez as Perry Clark, though. But, I'm here for that. I think Tony raises a really good point. That if you're going to say... and. The, to kind of go along with what everybody's saying. If you're coming right out and saying, look, we're going to do a movie about a black Superman. Tunney's right that they have an opportunity to tell the origin story, but add some very important elements to it. And, and, you know, similar to Falcon and winter soldier kind of had some very strong messages about race and that sort of thing and getting, and it took them what six episodes to get people to kind of accept the notion of a black captain America. And I think it, I think that was a lot of what that show was about was getting people to accept the notion that hey, it's not St- Chris Evans anymore, it's Anthony Mackie, it's not Steve Rogers, it's Sam Wilson, uh, a Superman movie that that would show what Clark Kent. I mean, and even even you know the movies that we see now, Clark Kent when he's a white guy has to deal with a lot of bullshit at school with kids picking on him and his dad saying, "Look, you can't just laser their fucking faces off. You got to take this in stride." Um, what sort of interactions is a black Superman or black Clark Kent growing up? And I don't know if it'll be Smallville or where the hell they're going to put him, but Chicago South side. Oh, That's Jesus. What Tony wants. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's obviously going to have to deal with different issues that they can tell some very powerful stories about. And this, from the standpoint of a black Clark Kent is going to have to exercise even more restraint than a white Clark Kent will have to, because, of the bullshit. He's not only going to have to deal with bullies who are pissed off at him because, you know, Lana Lang likes him. Now he's going to have to deal with racist bullies as well. So they can really tell some powerful stories about this thing and, and create a, an entirely different sort of, um, sort of narrative that they want to tell about the story. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, you know, even if they stick to the whole thing, Krypton blew up. He came here in a spaceship. He's found by who the hell knows out in the cornfield in Kansas. 
or on the street in the south side of Chicago if you're going in the Ray Cash direction, whatever the case may be. But what are you guys' thoughts about the different sort of avenues, the different kind of take on the origin story that they can do with this? Because a lot of complaints that we have about the Superman origin story, the Batman origin stories, man, it's been told a thousand fucking times. I've already heard it. I don't need to hear it anymore. It's kind of like why people love Wonder Woman so much because it's like, well, I don't know her origin story. They can do something unique with this. What do you guys think about that? I, I just came up with the title of the show for y'all. Bandwagon Nerds, Martin Luther Kent. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're not, not topping that, folks. We're not so, topping that. <laughs> so, so you're telling me he going he gonna, to uh, end up, he going to fall down in Savannah, Georgia somewhere and be raised in Atlanta? Michael Keaton as Jonathan Kent, son. You got to turn the other cheek. <laughs> no, the, the 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 point is valid, and we need new stories. We need new stories told, and nobody ever says you can't retell an old story in a new way, right? The only thing I'd want though is one to make sure that you keep thing. Tony said it perfectly, I think earlier. Keep the same values, just they're taught differently, right? Number one. And two, another thing I wanted to add was just because we got a black Superman don't mean we can't have uh, people who are Superman-esque, like Icon, an Icon movie or a Mr. Terrific movie, right? Stuff like that. We can still have that. It's not either or. Like, don't say because you gave us a black Superman, no more black superhero movies in D.C. for like 10 years. No, we can have more diversity. It doesn't have to be just either or. And it doesn't have to be South Side of Chicago. Black people in Kansas? I like the idea of him growing up in rural Smallville, Kansas, kind of to Dave's point, because it it, it really drives home the point of not only is he going to be getting bullied just because he's different and he's an orphan and this and that, but the race thing, you could really drive that home. Like, it doesn't have to be heavy-handed, but I, I think that that tells the story better. Just, yeah, you don't have to change anything. Yeah, guy grows up in rural Kansas, you know, on a farm. You, you can keep that. Now, as far as uh, the director, and Dave, you brought that up earlier— don't think they haven't reached out to Ryan Coogler. Don't don't oh, yeah. think that hasn't happened. That's already happened because he's already built this world before. He's done this before. And frankly, I don't know who else could do it. Maybe Steve McQueen. Maybe. But I, I say it, you know, maybe. Ray, but I mean, Coogler, who are they talking about, Ray? There's a, there's a specific director uh, that I thought was mentioned, but we're, this is when I need Patrick because he's got that shit at his fingertips. But that's it's the dude that did uh, Moonlight. It's who I think they're talking to. Right. Right. Barry Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but Platt's got a good point. Like Ryan Coogler. I mean, that would be perfect to, I mean, he's somebody DC needs directors like that. And and this is, I'm not going to say is as enormous a challenge as creating Wakanda. It's not, but it's a different challenge on a different level of enormity because you're talking like, I mean, we're four of us are talking about the concept of a black Superman and, and what it's going to mean. And the fact that you can tell some really powerful stuff if you drop him in rural Kansas and he's got to deal with all that bullshit in high school where kids are dicks anyway. And now he's got to go and deal with that. Uh, I'd love to see what Coogler could do with because it, look, as iconic as Black Panther is, he's not Superman. And that's an entirely different level as far as nerd consciousness national world consciousness for that matter so it, it, it's an enormous challenge to pull this off i think that's great i'd love to see coogler do it i don't know if he's got time with wakanda forever coming out he's gonna have to deal with that 
and put that whole thing together. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it's going to be fascinating. I, I'm I'm all in. I want to see. I, I mean, after talking to you guys, I feel much better about it because I always felt fine about it. But now I feel I, I don't mean it to sound like that like that. I feel better about it because I'm like, wow, they can really do some unique, different things with this story that we didn't even think about until talking to you guys today. So thank you. But so, you also have uh, to real quick, Sonny, I apologize, man. But you also have to remember that Kugler has already done this in essence. And I'm not talking about Black Panther Fruitville station, n- not even Fruitville station, which was a great movie as well. But he reinvigorated the Rocky franchise. They'll oh, mess Bruce, around and get yeah. two or three other movies out of that now. Because they went in a different direction. And that also is a franchise very similar to Superman that was was white. I mean, it was white as fuck. It is what it is. And frankly, the first three movies, I mean, they're, I don't want to say racially motivated. I don't know what words I'm trying to convey. But they were very, race was not, was he, it wasn't just implicated. It was heavy handed on the race play in those first three movies. And I say that as a guy who thinks that Rocky Balboa is the greatest American movie character of all time. But it, it, the the first three were very racial. So the, the fact that he was able to take that franchise, which was historically and predominantly white-centric, flip it, make it something good, I, I, that's why I think he would be perfect for the Superman thing, because it's the exact same thing. We're taking a, 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 a established IP turning it on its head and finding a new way to tell the same story in a compelling way. We could do a whole episode on how Rocky is, is all about race and how it motivated the whole Jerry Cooney, Larry Holmes heavyweight championship fight, that whole shit. We could spend a whole episode about that. Go ahead, PC. You got something to say here, but so Abrams is executive producing. Ta-Nehisi Coates is, is writing the screenplay and they are, they've pretty much committed to hiring a black director and the people that are in the running are Barry Jenkins, Ryan Coogler, Stephen Capel Jr., J.D. Dillard, Regina King, and Shaka King. Regina King would be could be interesting. Now, um, the other thing second there, I thought you were going to say that, Shaka Khan. I'm like, who? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Colts is expected to deliver his Superman script in mid-December. DC fans believe the film will center on Calvin Ellis, who debuted in 2008's Final Crisis number 7. Ellis grows up poor in the inner city and eventually becomes president of the United States. Michael B. Jordan has said he is not interested in the role. Oh, so we're going. Money, um, money talks. We're going. Um, uh, what am I thinking of? We're going Miles Morales on this, huh? So this is from yeah, the yeah. Hollywood Reporter yeah. on the director thing. It's from the Griot. Well, we will see, man. But you know, guys, I think I think that's gonna let let's put an end to the put a cherry on this thing. We've talked about this, and we got lists to go through. Those always take fucking forever. Any final thoughts on the whole notion of? The concept of Black Superman, uh, your guy, anything that we haven't talked about, final thoughts. Yes. If you're a white person, listen to other black people, listen to other educated people, talk to friends of yours that are of color and get their perspective on things and educate yourself on them. You will become a better person and you have a better and broader perspective for it. That's all I can say as one white person to a country of other white people that may not be able to i don't know coexist as well as they should be very Facts. well said Facts. yeah also understand it's just a fucking character that's right it's not like you know 
Like, Ray, honestly, in the back of my mind, though, like, like to make it as, as simplistic as possible, I'm, like, thinking, this is a made-up fictional story, right? Like, why can't we have a black suit? I don't, it doesn't, like... It doesn't make, like I said, if it doesn't, if the race is not integral to the character, then why the fuck not? I completely agree. Because there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there who don't look at it as fiction. This, this is real. Superman's real. No, he's not. Yeah. I hate to, if he was real, we wouldn't have all this shit that's going down right now in the world. So anyway, he was real. Our lives would be a lot more like the boys. And I don't think anybody wants that. No, we want Superman, not Homeland. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, God damn it. I don't, I don't need my, I don't need my hero white, black or whatever, standing at the top of a building, jerking off onto civilization. No, we don't need that. Nobody needs that. You can hope in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up first. That's true. That is very true. All right, guys, let's get into the hero project. We are leaving the realm. Of, I mean, Superman's going to get discussed in this. I'm sure it is part two of the hero project. It is our top 10 heroes of movies. Everybody knows how the process works. We are going to go around the horn. We are going to start. It's going to go. I'm just looking at my video screen. Fuck it. PC Tony will go first. Chris Platt. Ray. I'll bring up the rear just the way I like it. You know, that sort of thing. Um, and we'll go whoa, rotisserie style. Whoa. We will start the total package. Oh, jeez. <laughs> package. Being package. seduced by package. the Reverend Ray Cash here on Bandwagon Nerds. Uh, of course, if somebody has something that is higher on somebody else's list, raise your hand. We will table the conversation until later on. I've got Patrick's list. You know what? We'll we'll let Patrick start off. We'll kind of go through his stuff as we go along and just kind of let people know what we got. He's got some interesting ones. So let's start off with Patrick. Then we'll kick it off to PC Tunney, Chris, Ray, myself. Uh, Patrick's number 10 was Judge Dredd. Sylvester Stallone's portrayal of Judge Dredd. Interesting decision, I guess. I, I, I'm not, I wasn't that impressed with Sly's, but it's Patrick's list. We always say that it is everybody else's list. It's not your list. It's not my list. That's Patrick's list. I mean, I, I guess, I guess. I don't know. I'm not going to complain too much about it, but I just never really thought about it. But, you know, this this list is 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 kind of interesting because it's it's kind of hero, superhero ish, not like last week. But you'll hear as we go along. PC Tony, what do you have for us at number 10? Number 10 on PC Tony's list. I have a top 20. Don't worry. You know, I always wiggle all of them eventually. Oh, I in. know. But number 10 is Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Oh, and, okay. uh, nice call. I, I, I think she plays an integral role in, in the entire phase of everything going on, you know, finishing with Endgame and going through um, all the Avengers parts and, and, and Guardians of the Galaxy. And I just enjoy her character. I enjoy her portrayal. I enjoy her visually. Um, and, and I, but, I, but bottom line is I think she did a great job with the role and she made me believe in the character and, and her importance and everything. So that's who I got at number 10. Nice. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. She's excellent. I mean, and, and is she still alive? Is Gamora still alive or is a variation, a version of her still alive? Right. Ray. Last I would time imagine. I seen her, she was drinking Corona on a beach with Snoop Dogg and bad bunny. So, you know, yeah, that, that, <laughs> holy shit, man. Yeah. That, that's a hell of a commercial there for you. Uh, Mr. Platt, what do you have here at number 10 in your ex expert list of the greatest heroes and movies? <laughs> 
I love this show, by the way, man. I always have so much fun when I come on here. My number 10, I went Wesley Snipes as Blade. Because I think oh, that... Tyron yeah, Ray's. Because I, I think higher. that this you is gotta the wait. movie... It's not Chris. It's higher. It's higher. Chris, we'll talk Tell about it. talked? No, Chris, listen. What happens okay. is if it's higher on someone's list, we wait to talk about it till they get to on their higher point on the list. So you'll get your chance to talk about Wesley Snipes when it comes up on his list when it's higher. Okay, cool. <laughs> Damn it, Chris. Learn the rules now. <laughs> yes, because I've always followed the rules. Yeah. That's what I've done throughout that, my life. Chris has always been a follower for sure. No. Um, <laughs> Ray, what do you have at number 10, buddy? Most assuredly higher on everybody else's list, but number 10 is Batman Michael Keaton. He's higher. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my number 10 is Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Top, he made the top 20 for me. Number 20. Chris I, Hemsworth. Here's the thing is, is I, <laughs> what I love about Chris Hemsworth is no one knew who the hell he was before he got this role. I mean, he'd been in a few things, but no one knew really who is this Australian dude that they've cast as Thor. But you look and his evolution as Thor is really amazing. When you think about where we started in the first two, he kind of was very Thor-like, and, and the Thor character was like, okay, this kind of character is too static and, and not really, I'm not really feeling him. And then you got Ragnarok, and what Hemsworth does from Ragnarok on is inject a whole new level of life into the Thor character, makes him funny, makes him personable. That couldn't have been easy. The job he does in Endgame as Fat Thor is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, underrated actor the i mean to he was so good he elevates thor into one of the big three of marvel dc's always had a big three marvel really never has until the movies came out and now you look at thor's one of the big three and i say that's probably because of chris hemsworth so he's number 10 on my list we will uh swing it right back around to me unless anybody's got any great thoughts on chris hemsworth I just want to say he deserves to be on the list for nothing else. Reinventing a character while the character was still active. You don't ever see that. That's true. Good point, Ray. That's I mean, he really did reinvent that character in the middle of a one of the most successful franchises and one of the most successful runs in cinematic history. Uh, my number nine talking about. I just want, one last thing I just want to throw in there was in and visually he captures that character like. You know, you think about out of all other characters and you think about what that's going to be like, right? That's kind of what he did there for me. Oh, God. If you ever watch like the Incredible Hulk, the Bill Bixby, Lou Frigno, they had that episode with Thor on there. It's just absolute bullshit. <laughs> you compare that to Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> say that's not Thor. That's Thor. <laughs> but this guy who's playing Thor, that's ridiculous. Fuck that. Um, number nine, talking about reinventing somebody. And last week I talked about Linda Carter's role as Wonder Woman and how it was so iconic and so transcendent that it took them 30 plus. You got her higher, Ray? Ray's got yep. gal higher. Okay. Let's go back to Ray for number nine. Again, another one I'm sure probably one of you have higher. If I, I think uh, it may, Pat may have it higher, but uh, number nine is Wolverine with Hugh Jackman. Oh, yeah. He's higher. Yeah, I, I have it higher. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Chris, what do you got for number nine, buddy? This is really the honorable mention portion, and which is Christian Bale as Batman, which I didn't even particularly care. Okay, he's got it higher, so okay, I'm just going to This happens there. a lot, Chris, trust me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm learning. There's going to be some overlap for a while. I'm, I'm learning. 
Uh, PC Tunney, what do you got as your number nine? My num my number nine is a little bit off the rails, and I've seen this in the movie theater when it was out when I was young. And my number nine is Peter Weller as RoboCop. Good call. So if we talk about RoboCop maybe coming back and and being around in in the uh, you know the superhero atmosphere once again in different stories. So. I just remember watching this. It was so cool being a kid and watching it. I mean, there were some weird parts, like when the guy melted with acid and everything. But to look behind this lens, it was, you know, I think the Terminator was maybe the only other time where you've seen this guy or maybe Predator. And you, you you had the computer screen. You were you got the first person vision, right? And what was going through Robocop's head and everything else, right? So it was a great, great movie, the first one, and uh, a great character. That's Robocop is very underrated, man. Like as a kid, you like it just because it's shoot 'em up, bang bang, and it's a you know it's a superhero movie. But when you Fucking go back Robocop. and watch that, <laughs> yeah. But when you go back and watch that original Robocop with adult eyes, you see how deep that movie really was, man. Like that movie was steeped in social commentary, and it it, it was a it was a it was an allegory for a lot of things. It touched a lot on corruption, about the corruption of the media, how corporations are taking over shit like that that movie is very dense and you don't pick up on that as a child because why would you but through adult eyes yeah that movie is is a lot deeper than you would think on the surface and on top and of that he tried to understand. i was gonna say that ray i was like gonna say that tony's got the only person on this list who appeared on a wrestling pay-per-view robocop when I was younger, uh, at the at the state fair, there was actually somebody made a RoboCop, and dude would fucking walk around his RoboCop, and it looked real as fuck. I, it's a great call. I mean, yeah, RoboCop, but definitely a superhero, and not one that jumps out at you saying, "Oh yeah, that's a superhero." But he's right. Uh, let's talk Patrick's number nine. Now, this one I kind of can agree with. Sure, Arnold Schwarzenegger's portrayal of Conan the Barbarian, number nine. That's uh, that's. I like that one. I mean, Conan's definitely from this from the uh, comic books. Patrick's number eight. Before we go to Tunney's for number eight was uh, Jackie Earl Haley's portrayal of Rorschach in Watchmen, which is a fantastic choice. I had I had forgotten about that. That you know, and Patrick's you know not a Zack Snyder fan, but he loves not loves he likes Watchmen. I'll put let me re rephrase that. Uh, but I love the call. Is Rorschach is Rorschach a hero though? Anti-hero, probably. I would say is he's Conan. A, is is Conan a hero? I mean, have you heard some of his quotes? Yeah, I <laughs> think Conan is hero. Yeah, yeah, Conan's a hero. Not the talk show host, the barbarian. You guys, did you hear the quote? Listen for the quote again. Crush your enemies. See them driven before you. And they hear the lamentation of the women. All right. Different times. <laughs> Sounds like a hero to me. But anyway. Uh, Hey, Tony Storm wanted to invoke uh, Tony Storm. Tony Stark wanted to invoke pre, uh, Prima Nocta. Saying, "Damn, things things have taken a dark turn here on Bandwagon Nerds Hero Project Part Two. Tony, what do you got for number eight? Before we start going all Game of Thrones on everything here, my oh, I just finished watching Game of Thrones for the second time. Can't wait for the new series coming out soon. So maybe we can talk you guys into watching that. Um. My number seven, number eight, sorry, is Brandon Lee as the crow. What an amazing movie. What a cool superhero and everything else that's going on. And what a tragic situation, basically propelling this into instant cult status. If you've never seen that before, um, 
definitely check it out. It's too bad that, you know, he didn't get to continue on and continue his father's legacy, but the crow is an excellent, excellent movie. And I think Brandon Lee did a hell of a job. Yeah, that's a good call. I didn't think about that one, but yeah, he's, that's tragic for sure. No doubt about that. Uh, anybody's thoughts on Brandon Lee as, as the crow. Honorable mention for sure. Um, I think the, while the movie is really good, it has kind of been deified because of what happened to Brandon. Um, almost like Heath Ledger and Dark Knight, that movie. But it's worth all the joy it gets. And again, it's Bond's sting. But it is a very influential movie in how it's shot and kind of the darkness about it. Um, it's worthy of the list. It was on my honorable mention. So good, good, good choice. Excellent call, Tony. And that wasn't an accident that type of accident does not happen yeah. on a movie set it just doesn't no that that's true chris what do you got for your number eight man number eight this is probably gonna be a little controversial I, i'm not gonna be able to talk about it because i'm sure he's higher on everybody else's list but i gotta go chris evans as captain america yeah higher up ray what do you got but for your number i'll make oh. you feel better but yeah, my number eight is Blade, uh, Wesley Snipes. Anybody else got him higher? Nope. No, I had, him, I had him at 11. You you go ahead first, Platt, then I'll come behind you. Cool. Blade, Blade was so important because it was the blueprint for the MCU, what we see now. This was the blueprint because they had tried it before. We had a shitty Captain America movie. We had that weird fantastic four movie directed by roger corman which With you can chris find evans. on youtube and i don't understand no chris evans wasn't in this this was in the 90s man. That one? oh chris the 90s evans wasn't thought of I mean, yeah no, roger no. corman man and if you oh. know anything about roger corman he's like a b-list director of movies i don't know why anybody thought that that shit was going to work but whatever but yeah this proved that marvel can make a financially viable plus a well-told story superhero movie like with without blade none of this mcu exists today and i, I think he's a very culturally relevant and important figure in all of these movies and you know looking back on it ray I, i'm, I'm kind of agreeing with you i probably should have had him a little higher but i just wanted to make sure that he got his props i didn't even know he was going to be on the show today but i wanted to make sure that wesley got his flowers because and he's he's a badass as well facts and one more thing I want to say about the movie is there were plenty of movies with superheroes. This felt like the first superhero movie. And then it was followed by uh, X-Men. But this feels like the first superhero movie from, from the very beginning and the first scene to the ending. It feels like an actual superhero-esque movie that is more in tune with what we see nowadays as opposed to, oh yeah, well I, we got a superhero character and we're going to make a movie about that character now this was a superhero movie wesley killed it and is underrated and not appreciated and i hope he's in the movie with mahershala because i need to see him get his flowers too if you're a fan of this genre and you haven't seen it if you haven't seen blade watch it just fucking watch it don't ask any questions just watch it you're a fan of the genre it's an important movie and it, it's easily one of wesley's top three characters he's ever played some motherfuckers just have to ice skate uphill you know that's what it's all about <laughs> now it was uh patrick and i we did it we reviewed it for the nerd review not so long ago and uh 
It was a movie I hadn't seen in a while, and I really forgot just what a tremendous performance Wesley Snipes put in in that movie, and just how good that first Blade was. The second and third, eh, a little bit more hit and miss, that sort of thing, but I thought that was, uh, he turned in a hell of a performance. It's a, it's a, it's a really underrated movie, but yeah, this predates the MCU, but it did, you could see, like Chris said, it kind of threw the blueprint for what they wanted to do and how you could make a compelling superhero movie. Uh, even one, and here's another thing, even one involving not one of the really well-known characters, Blade's not like front row as far as Marvel characters go. He's like Guardians of the Galaxy sort of thing. So you got to figure that their success in integrating that and making that character pop like that was influential in in bringing stuff like I don't know, Guardians of the Galaxy, Deadpool, things like that to the forefront. So uh, great call, guys. Excellent. Uh, my number eight is probably going to be higher on somebody's list. I know it's higher on Patrick's list. Uh, he's obviously not here to talk about it. So if it's not higher on somebody else's list, we'll talk about it. But it's Michael Keaton's Batman. It's higher on PC Tunney's list. Not surprising. Plats too. Plats too. Uh, my number seven, We somebody had already mentioned him. So this guy is... Uh, well, he's actually much higher on Patrick's list. I don't know if he's higher on somebody else's list, but it's uh, Chris Evans as Captain America. He's my number seven, so if he's not in anybody else's, we can talk about it. All right, so just full disclosure, this is Patrick's number one. Chris Evans as Captain America is oh, wow. Patrick's number one. Wow. Uh, so, and, and and I get it, I, I and I certainly want Patrick next week to, to kind of talk about what about Chris's performance so made him. So do we. Made him number one. I don't disagree with it. I really don't. I just want to hear what Patrick has. I'm not to mad s- at him. Yeah. Well, no. I do too. No. 100. I, I would love to hear him talk about that. Right. And 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 I'm sure we will get that next week as Patrick will explain why Chris Evans is number one. What about his performance put him over the top of some of these other people <laughs> we're going to be talking about? For me, uh, I mean, yeah, you guys talked about it. Like they tried to make a Captain America movie before, didn't work at all. And you needed the right person. And Chris Evans, I mean, you're talking about Lucas Lee from Scott Pilgrim. You're talking about Johnny Storm from Johnny Storm. from the Fantastic <laughs> Four. So there's nothing really about Chris Evans that led you to believe this guy can be Captain America. But boy, did he take that role and just absolutely own it and make it his own in just the biggest way possible that and I mean and you're talking about Captain America is one of the, if not the, I mean, we're going to be talking about this in a couple of weeks when we do our top Marvel heroes. He's got to be really high up there, Captain America. But, you know, to do what he did in this movie and, and to make it believable as, as you evolve that he, because Captain America is the leader of the Avengers, unquestioned. Iron Man defers him, Thor, Hulk, everybody. So to get Chris Evans to do a portrayal where you eventually got to the point where you accepted him as that role no easy task chris evans pulled it off his portrayal was so good that you know they needed a whole like we talked earlier six episodes with falcon and winter soldier to pass the torch proverbially to get to the board and say okay now we do i accept this new captain america fine great i can leave chris's performance behind um it's a tremendous performance i love chris evans as captain america didn't see it coming from him but boy he really just I mean, yeah, one of those transcendent, it's it's like one of those performances. There's many people on the list. You look at him and say, could anybody do that? Could anybody replace him? You know, Anthony Mackie's not going to be Steve Rogers. He's going to be his own Captain America. But 
As far as the original Captain America, I don't think anybody could have done it like Chris did. The One of the things that Marvel has over DC, besides the fact that DC has Zack Snyder, but that's neither here nor there. I got to carry that flag for my brother Pod because we, we, we're, we're here on that one. But they absolutely nail it every single time when it comes to casting. I can't think of a, a single miss that they've had thus far. They're batting a thousand as far as I'm concerned. And Chris Evans is no exception. He was absolutely perfect for exactly what that character needed to be, whom that character needed to be. I don't think they could have did better than Chris Evans. Right? I had him at 16. I think Patrick's argument, I know Ray, you can wrap this up because I'll be real quick. I think Patrick's argument is going to be that he brought back the character and it's such an important character. And that's why he's on my list. I'm not a Captain America guy necessarily, but you have to appreciate what Chris Evans did with the character and made Marvel, made made a lot of money doing it and, and did a pretty good job. And I mean, I, I am looking forward to the next chapter of Captain America more so. Underrated Chris Evans movie and Chris Evans role, his role in the, as a tech guy in The Losers. Check that out. Um, in Marvel lore, the most difficult and probably most important artifact is that shield. Carrying that shield has so much weight, as we've seen you just alluded to, Dave, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And Chris Evans carried it with a plum. He carried it with reverence. He carried it with grace. And that is probably, of all of the original six Avengers, is the most difficult role to play, even more than Hulk, because of what he stands for. And because you have to look at him at every moment and believe that he is for truth, for everything that Superman is, Chris Evans is, without the power of the sun. And he played it, and he did it, and he killed it, and... Captain America Winter Soldier is still the best Marvel movie that had that doesn't have an Avengers title on it. So you get no argument from me. That's uh yeah. I'd have to go with you on that one, Ray. So yeah, that's I, I got Chris Evans, my number seven. Ray, what is your number seven? Unless anybody wants to talk more Captain yeah, America. He was my seven too. Oh he was my seven too. So Chris Evans was? Yes, sir. Wow. Let's see, Ray. I mean, come on, man. This this is a frequent occurrence, you know Chris. We we are always like this. Go ahead, Chris. What do you got brains. for number seven? I know. One brain, two people. <laughs> because it takes, the, now, you have half the brain that I do. <laughs> or I have half the brain that you do. <laughs> Something like that. One of us has half a brain. It's probably me. Go ahead, Ray, uh, Chris. What do you got for seven? It, well, me too. I don't even think I got half. I, I think I got half, but I only use a quarter of that half. So that's where we at. Now it's nut cutting time, gentlemen. And this is when stuff started to get difficult to me. I'm I'm gonna go Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. He's higher. It's on also mine. my number seven. He's higher on mine, oh. so we will table that uh, conversation. But the line, the lines have been drawn. We all had we had a pair of sevens there. You realize? Actually, that. You Patrick has. Get this, Patrick has Hugh Jackman at number seven as well. We have a full house. Jackman's over Evans. Uh, that's right. <laughs> we might have that. Could be a that that that's a title. That's a title contender. It might not be a winner, but you didn't think anything would rival it. But Jackman's over Evans is a pretty good title. Martin Luther King is Martin Luther King is as good as it's going to get, dog. Oh, no, no. I, I said I said you didn't think anything would contend. I said that could contend. I didn't say to win. 
Yeah, see now, Patrick would title this Hero Project Part 2, but I think we need to be more creative. So we've got a couple of contenders here right now. Hey, man, whoever's name is on the publishment is taking responsibility. That's right. (laughs) It all falls on my head. All right. Today it's you. Today it's me. So, Tony, what's your number seven? It was Hugh Jackman. Oh, wow. So you've got, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Drake. That was Drake. We had a full house. Jackman's over Evans. I got it. Wow, that's interesting. Who who would have ever thought that? Dave, Dave, that's the new, what number are we on? Drink. Yeah, I got a drink. (laughs) Uh, So Patrick's number seven was Jackman. Patrick's number six is Michael Keaton, which I imagine is higher on somebody. It's higher on Tony's list. Okay. So PC, what is your number six? I think this could be higher on people's list just because I'm pretty sure this has to be on people's list. But if it's not, then, you know, my number six is Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. He's higher on mine. Chris, you're number six, buddy. This is a homer pick, but I had to go there. Shut up. (laughs) Is it Bernie Kosar? Yes, Bernie Kosar as the Browns quarterback. Vinny Testaverde. Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Give my number six tonight. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is a complete homer pick. Y'all know how I feel about this character. This is probably my favorite character. I had to go Tobey Maguire as Spider Man for my number six. You know, can I just in in picking the list here? Spider-Man was so difficult for me because, I, and he didn't end up yep. on my yep. list. Me neither, um, but it probably could have. Right, and it's I struggle, and you me look neither. at Tobey Maguire and everything else, and I, I want to hear what you have to say, Platt, but just like such a, it's the character that probably went through my head the most in putting this list together. So sorry to interrupt you, but like it's just a kind of a oddball character. No worries, man, but Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire, that's like Stockton and Malone, at least for those first two movies. I know by the time we got to the third, it went off the rails, and we didn't get a fourth, and then they rebooted the character. And I never watched any of the Andrew Garfield movies. That was my boycott. That was my fuck Hollywood. And apparently they rebooted again, so I wasn't wrong. But, I mean, there's an argument to be made that at the time that it came out that Spider-Man 2 was the greatest superhero comic book movie that had ever came out. I just love that combination. I love Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. I mean, you and, and the, the trend persists to this day. You've got actual actors playing comic book characters. And I know, you know, we've done that before, but I, I just really enjoyed his version as Spider-Man. I love Tom Holland. I think he's great. He's obviously a little bit younger, so it's going to have more legs, which was a smart play. You get him when he's like 15, so you know you'll, you you conceivably will have him for the next 10 years and the next phase of Marvel. But I just really love those first two Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. I thought they were. I thought everybody played their parts well. They were well acted, and I, I just wanted to show that guy love. And again, I'm obviously a homer, but I I, I just really enjoyed that character and him specifically. As that character, I don't know how that I makes you Tom a homer. Holland He's great. What's that? I had Tom Holland, seventeen. Yeah, the first two Spider-Man movies. I, I mean, and and you know, when Spider-Man one and two came out, I mean, you're talking about a period of time well before these big. But, but this is way before superhero movies were it. You know, and and Spider-Man one and two kind of went a long way towards revitalizing the industry and showing 
whoever at Marvel and or Disney eventually that, hey, there's a real market for this. People people want to see good movies done about these characters that they love. And Tobey Maguire's portrayal of Spider-Man, um, because that's another one like similar to Captain America. They had not had success bringing Spider-Man to any sort of medium TV, uh, other than an animation, but bringing them to TV or to movies, they had not done well. There was a lot of trepidation. I remember when that first Spider-Man came out, lots of trepidation about whether they could make a good Spider-Man movie, similar to the way people felt before the uh, Michael Keaton Batman came out in 89. Lots of nervousness about that. And Tobey Maguire delivered. And like you're saying, Platt, Spider-Man 2, still, in my opinion, the best Spider-Man movie of all time. And that includes Homecoming and Far From Home. I still say it's the best Spider-Man movie of all time. Dave, that scene in Spider-Man 2 where Spider-Man saves everybody on the subway and his mask oh, God, is messed yes. up and he has to take his mask off. Yeah, and yeah the, 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 the Christ imagery when they take him to the back and they, they give him his mask back and stuff like that. And, bruh, that that gives me douche chills to this day. You know <laughs> what I mean? I, I, I almost start to well up a little bit. That scene is just so powerful and so fucking perfect. For me, there's a new me. new contender for the title for this episode. Douche chills. Douche I like chills. it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ray, Ray, you had, I know you had something to say. You didn't Stereo. like my comment about Spider-Man Stereo. 2, but uh, oh no, Spider-Man 2 is good, but like it's not better than Homecoming to me. And it's and Patrick is right. The best Spider-Man movie ever is the Miles Morales movie. Talking about moments. The moment when he realizes he can he can actually have the powers, and he jumps off, and powerful. But yes, shout out to Sam Raimi. However, number six for me is probably Dave's number one: Superman, George Reeves, Christopher Reeve, Christopher Reeve. That was about to say, yeah. You yeah, know, that's, you that's, know something, Ray. We're, I'm we're not going gonna. Higher it's higher. We're going higher. It's higher. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you whether it's number one or not. I'm just going to make you wait and guess. Dave, I know you, bro. That's number <laughs> one. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse to acknowledge the truth or falsity of these statements by one Ray Cash. But uh, yeah, he's higher. So why don't you go to your number five, Ray? No, wait. That's we're at number six. We're about to go to our top five. Let's take a commercial break right now. Drink. We need to drink. But since we have the voice of Chair Shot Radio here, I'm going to kick it over to Christopher Platt to tell us all about the wonderful stuff going on at thechairshot.com and where you can get shirts, where you can make yourself look aesthetically pleasing if you don't want to look as bad as me, you know, that sort of thing. Chris, please take us there. This is the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. I say it day in and day out, and it always bears repeating. If you appreciate the content that we provide day in and day out here at The Chair Shot, your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis with attitude because you're smarter than the average fan, the best way to make sure we keep providing that content day in and day out here at The Chair Shot is by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and picking up an official Chair Shot t-shirt. We literally have something for everyone. You hate the media? Hashtag journalism. You're a Christian? Jesus did the job, and his dad was the promoter. If you hate politics, we've still got a few shirts left. We haven't sent them all to Cambodia yet of the defunct Platt Balazs 2020 presidential campaign. I still haven't got mine, Chris. I ordered 10 of them. We're going to work on that, man. I apologize, man, from the bottom of my heart. We're going to work on that. We're going to get you 12. Just money on fire, Dave. 
We're going to get you 12 of them. Some men want to watch the world burn, Ray. 2024 is just around the corner. But we've got many, many other cool designs. All you have to do is go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot. And if you go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot, I guarantee you by going to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot, you are going to find a shirt you like. And you are going to be more aesthetically pleasing. And guess what? When you wear them outside, you're going to get over. I guarantee that as well. I speak from a factual standpoint on that. TheChairShot.com, folks, remember, we're not just a website. We're a movement. Couldn't have said it any better. That's why I had Chris say it for me. So, guys, when we come back, we will be running down our number five to one, the greatest heroes of the movies and the greatest portrayals as well. They kind of go hand in hand. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds, a part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. We are back. Thank you. And it is time to continue this wonderful foray. We are having way too much fun doing this, and it's going to continue. I'm sure with the top five is going to be some interesting conversation. So let's not belabor the issue. Let us get to the Reverend's Choice for number five. Ray, what's your number five best heroes of the movies? My number five may not be the person you initially think of this character, but is ultimately the best iteration of the character and financially not even close. Number five is Christian Bale as Batman. Yeah, and I'm at number 14. I had him at number six. Is he? Wait, did we skip? We didn't skip me. Yeah, you missed your number six. Did I? My number six was Christian Bale, Christian. so there you go. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, can we talk about it? Um, oh, well, that's right. Wait a sec. I'm supposed to be. No, I'm, I'm supposed to be number six. Yeah, I need to drink. There you go. Yeah, that's going to make it to better. Give your six before the commercial and come I, back. That's right. Five. I keep forgetting that I'm not on the screen, so I forgot myself. So my number six is Christian Bale, which we're going to come right back. And you know, I guess since Ray's already Ray's already talked about it, let's before we do my number five, let's go ahead and talk about Christian Bale. Go ahead, Ray. I'm going to defer to you since I fucked the order up. Yeah, you should have teased. You were supposed to tease us. And my number six after the break. But that's okay. <laughs> See, um, because I'm I'm yeah. taking Patrick's role, so I'm doing my best job of fucking the order up. So there you go. Well, you don't sound like Bob Odenkirk, so you're failing at that, sir. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love you, Pat. You know I got to give you shit, bro. You know I love you, man. Go ahead, Ray. Talk, let's talk Christian Bale. So, um, Dark Knight, many people think, is the best superhero movie ever. That would be me. Batman Batman is the most financially um, highest grossing individual superhero ever. 
the Dark Knight movies, that trilogy with uh, Christopher Nolan, is one of the highest-grossing trilogies ever. The man put butts in seats. And I know a lot of people don't like the gravelly voice and whatnot, but he is one of the few Batmans that played both roles well. He played the the billionaire playboy version of Bruce Wayne fantastically. Uh, and if you know anything about Christian Bale, he's a method actor, so I think that's why he dug so deep into the voice and stuff. But the movies are great, and they revolve around him. And I think he has almost wrestling-esque. He, allows, he allowed every one of his villains to overshadow him in a way that wasn't detracting from him but building them up. So when he won as Batman, you, it felt bigger. Whereas a lot of other superheroes, they overshadow the, the the villain. I just Christian Bale, I think, killed it. He deserves to be on this list. And for nothing else, he's the most important Batman of all time. And Batman is the biggest superhero of all time. I tend to agree with you, Ray. I know Tony doesn't because he's got Keaton higher, and and that's fine. Um, and we're going to talk about that. But I mean, I've got Christian Bale at number six. Uh, I have him higher than Keaton I, for a lot of the same reasons Ray said commercially i don't think you can deny the success of the christopher nolan trilogy uh, i did i liked i mean it just i think if there's a difference between keaton and bale that i have it's i thought bale's portrayal was was closer to the batman that i resonate with which is the darker more serious version now a lot of people are going to resonate with the keaton version which is a little bit lighter and goes along with kind of the where batman was in the early to mid 80s um, but for me, I, I, I mean, the dark Knight to me is supposed to be a darker brooding more. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but a more serious character. And that's why I kind of prefer Christian Bale's portrayal. I, I, I love his, you know, the way he did Bruce Wayne, which is out in the public. He's the billionaire playboy, you know, buying motels so that they can swim in fountains and do all this shit. But then when he's with the people, he trusts the most like Alfred, like Lucius Fox, you get to see the real Bruce Wayne, which is really just Bruce Wayne and Batman are the same person to the people that they're closest with. And so I thought he really did an excellent job portraying that. That's why I've got him at number six. I know Tony's got something to say about this. I, I, I absolutely love the trilogy uh, with Christian Bale, right? Like I love those movies. I can go back and watch them. I like the way they tell that story. I think he does an excellent job. Right. I think he should probably be higher on my list, but I made a point to only have one actor per character on my top 10 to kind of spread it out a little bit. But I have no qualms with what he did and how he did it. I I just really like those stories. It's just he's not my Batman, man. And I'll get to that shortly. I we we will. Anybody, Chris, you got thoughts on Christian Bale? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just going to get it out the way. So Michael Keaton as Batman was my number five. But doubling back to the Christian Bale conversation, I had him at number nine. I didn't particularly care for his portrayal as either character. He To me, he wasn't believable as Bruce Wayne or Batman. Like he, I didn't like him as Bruce Wayne whatsoever. He made some very weird choices as Batman, but those movies were so important. To, to pop culture that I, I had to have him on there. I mean, because that Dark Knight, that was the first time that the Academy actually stood up and took notice and said, yo, we have to look at these superhero films, or excuse me, these superhero movies as films. You know what I mean? 
with with Heath Ledger's nomination. So it, it was just so culturally important. I had to have him on that list somewhere. But yeah, I don't particularly hell the best acting he did in the entire trilogy was acting like he was romantically interested in Maggie Gyllenhaal. So I mean, <laughs> but you know, it's funny. And I, I, go, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. It, you say that, and I think of the whole Margot Kidder on a bearskin rug at Niagara Falls thing. Oh, it's all coming oh, back to me yeah, now. Yeah, same oh, shit. Same I knew we get the Margot Kidder with plaid on here today. And I'll, I'll save my Michael Keaton stuff because Tunney clearly has him higher. But one thing that I wanted to point oh, out that I think is interesting, oh, uh, you don't. You remember when we had Hugh Jackman at seven together? We have Michael Keaton yes. together at. So fire away. No, cool. I'll, I'll I'll double back to Michael, man. I'll let you talk first and then I'll double back. But one interesting thing about Batman that I don't think people I, I haven't seen anybody else really talk about this is out of the 511 Batman movies that we've actually had. There's only been maybe two where Batman was actually the main character. That's you true. know what I mean, which is which is very interesting to me. I don't know why that's that's fascinating to me. Yeah, he Batman's got a rogues gallery of villains that are very interesting and, and tend to overshadow and dominate the narrative under than the first Batman and probably Batman Begins, that sort of thing. But oh, oh, Batman Begins wasn't even about Batman. Batman Begins was about Bruce Wayne yeah. in terms with the death of his parents. I would say the one with Val Kilmer and um. And the last, The Dark Knight Rises, I would say those are the only two Batman movies that were actually about Batman. Maybe. I mean, the one with Val Kilmer was, I mean, you got Jim Carrey and you got Tommy Lee Jones just, you know, dominating that movie as well. So um, that's true. That's true. So let's let's try and and, and fix the order here, because I I know we're off here, but uh, I know we're kind of on it. So, Ray, your number six was just make Uh, Christopher Reeves. Okay. And your number five was Christian Bale. Yes. Okay. And so let's do my number five and then make sure we were straight. My number five is Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. And I think Tony, you had him a little bit lower. Had him at six. Okay. So let's talk my number and Chris, your number five is Keaton, right? Okay. Yes, sir. And Tony, your number five is Keaton as well, right? Okay. So we're so let's talk Ryan Reynolds first, then we'll talk Michael Keaton, and then we'll be back on track and we'll talk uh well, Patrick's number five is gonna be tabled. So uh Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. <laughs> when when you look at Ryan Reynolds, Van Wilder and all that shit, and, and you look at his previous foray into superhero movies, and he is the first one to just shit all over this effort as Green Lantern. Now, not because of Ryan's performance, because I thought he did as well as he possibly could with what he was given, and the story sucked. But he is one of these guys where if you look at a character, and we talked about fringe characters earlier, like Gamora, like Guardians of the Galaxy, like Blade, Deadpool is certainly in that ilk. And for a guy to take that character and now make him so beloved that people are desperate to see how do we get Deadpool in the MCU? We need to get a Deadpool 3 into the, into the MCU. And to do it also with a superhero movie that was R-rated and didn't hold back. There's nobody else, in my opinion, who could have pulled that off other than Ryan Reynolds. He is Deadpool. The stuff that he did at the, what is the second one where he gets the time traveling device and he goes back and, and wipes out the whole, shoots himself as he's reading the Green Lantern script, uh, the 
things that he does with Wolverine and Hugh Jackman, even, you know, on YouTube is absolutely hilarious. Ryan Reynolds is, is turned into an American treasure. And I just think like, there's nobody else who could do Deadpool. I, 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 I can't wait to see what they do with him, how they integrate him to the MCU. Cause he's coming, but man, what a tremendous performance by Ryan Reynolds. Another one that kind of like Chris Hemsworth came out of nowhere. Who would have thought that this guy could have knocked it out of the park like that? But he did. So I got Ryan Reynolds as number five as Deadpool. Tony. I had him at number six because of a lot of the points you just made, right? It was something different. It was R-rated. It was a little bit more breaking the fourth wall. It was involving current pop culture into the storyline to let the audience in on a few things as well, right? It was just something different, and Ryan Reynolds did a good job with it. To me, it's just a very unique superhero character in, in, in the genre. Yeah, I mean, you talk right. breaking the fourth wall. I mean, breaks the fourth wall. Sorry, Chris, I didn't mean to cut you off. But, like, the other thing is where you take some of these songs that they interject into Deadpool and made them super popular, like Call Me Angel of the Morning and then Air Supply. Kills Whisper, <laughs> Kills Whisper yes. the remix by uh, Love Yes, I mean, it's fantastic what they did. I mean, the slow motion Angel of the Morning in the first Deadpool with the fucking cigarette lighter. The thing about Deadpool is it's not just a superhero movie. It's not just art rated. It is fucking hilarious. One of the funniest movies you will ever see are either the first two Deadpools. And they got Cable involved in the second one. Anyway, go ahead, Chris. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just was like, you know, you look at Guardians of the Galaxy and the iconic soundtrack to that. And then you look at what they did with Deadpool. It's like, it's iconic for a different reason. This is why I love coming on this show so much, man. Because I get to just nerd the fuck out. And shit that I think about that normal people don't think about, I get to talk about shit like this on this podcast. And again, man, thank you guys for having me on. Ryan Reynolds is so fascinating to me because he's a guy that forever Hollywood was trying to turn this guy into a movie star. They had tried forever and they tried everything. And I get it. He's handsome and he's charming. I understand what Hollywood saw in him. And they kept trying and trying to make this guy a movie star, and it just wasn't hitting for whatever reason. And obviously, they thought it was going to hit with the Green Lantern thing, and that was a that went over like a wet fart in church. And it's so ironic to me that the character that actually hit is one that is so non-aesthetically pleasing. Like, you can't even cash in on his looks in this character, but this is the one that hits. And, and it seems so true to form. Like, it, it kind of reverts back to that Van Wilder. I think this is the guy that he always should have been. Instead of trying to turn him into Matthew McConaughey, this is the guy that he always should have been from the beginning. And it it just works, yeah. And I I love Deadpool. Obviously, I didn't have him on my list, but those Deadpool movies are phenomenal. And I think the reason the movie worked real quick is what you're saying, Platt, add to it, this was a passion project for him. This wasn't just a role to him. This was everything to him. It, it took he worked for ten years to get the movie greenlit. That uh, the scene of him, um, what was it on the at the beginning of Deadpool um, when they're on the the L.A. highway? They shot that like six like six years before as a screen test. He cared about this movie, researched the character, read all the source material, became Wade Wilson. So. Whenever someone cares about a role that well, and as they're as talented as he is, it's not going to fail. So it's a great choice. Yeah, if you read like God Dead- damn, 
Go ahead, Chris. I, I love you guys, and I love this podcast, because where else, because this is some shit I've been thinking about for years. Where else could I talk about that Ryan Reynolds shit, man? Like, this is, I love you guys, man. This is great, man. Shout out to Bandwagon Nerds. I mean, if I'm you, scared. <laughs> if you've ever read, like, um. The reason why I'm scared is because this this could be, like, just the, you know, the Hoover Dam. You just literally take one little pebble out of there, you know. And shit, here comes all. Here comes the rest of the shit you really didn't want to hear about. You know, next thing you know, we're gonna be hearing about how Platt has his socks lined up in the top drawer of his, his fucking dresser. You know, I hope not. But if you've ever read Deadpool comics, like read Deadpool Dracula's Gauntlet, Deadpool's dialogue is straight out of the movie, or perhaps the movie is straight out of the comics. I'm thinking it's it's the latter, Ray more than than the uh, the former because the comics were written first but there's stuff that deadpool the character says in the comics that is equally as hilarious as anything you'll hear in the movies so let, I'll, I'll, go, go ahead chris I'll, just one more thing man i apologize man i'm just in my my bag right now but i love how the deadpool movies just totally take the piss out of the whole comic book genre like all the inside jokes and how they break the fourth wall like it's just it's such good shit I just want to know, does everybody have a pair of masturbating Crocs? I, that's all I really want to know. Ray's looking down at his feet right now. That's a little disturbing. I masturbating Jays. Okay. Crocs. <laughs> all right. <laughs> on that note, Keaton. Michael Keaton's Batman. It's number five on a couple of your guys' lists. Um, it was number six on Patrick's list, so very close. I'm going to and- defer to you guys as to... You guys already said, both of you th- said Christian Bale, you respect him, you like him, not your Batman. Keaton, Keaton is. Why? So Platt and I both had him at five. I had Bale at 14. I had Adam West as my number one TV Batman. This, his original portrayal of Batman with, with Jack Nicholson and Kim Bassinger and the whole deal, I saw in the movie theater and I was under 10 years old with my grandparents and it was awesome it was my first real besides flipping through the channels and finding an adam west batman or some other kind of something that portrayed a superhero from the 1970s on tv it was the first time i got to go and like witness superhero storytelling because i didn't read comic books when i was growing up um so it was awesome to me at the time it still resonates with me as i get older and I thought Michael Keaton did a wonderful job. And for me, it's just Batman. And it and it was awesome to be the age I was when Batman, the, the, the next Batman, I think it was Batman. Re, um, what was the second one he did? Returns? Batman Returns. Batman Returns. Yeah. yeah with Michelle yeah, Pfeiffer and, and Danny right. DeVito. And that, was, and that one was even better to me for that age, for the time and the age I was, right? Because you see like the Penguin and everything else. And it, the, the sets on that were great. So to me, Batman is Michael Keaton. I'm not telling anybody else they're wrong if Batman is somebody else's to them, but that's the history that I lived and and I, you know, seeing that original movie being less than ten years old, like it it bent a lot to me. You have Jack Nicholson and Kim Basinger in that film, and I I, I really enjoyed it. You get the Batman Returns with it as well. Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, being the age that I was, you know, almost ten years old, and then being almost a teenager it was really great to me and he'll always be my batman though and chris i i think like you feel like the same way yeah i saw this movie in the theaters as well and i feel as if michael keaton 
came the closest to nailing both Bruce Wayne as well as Batman. And you guys got to remember, back in 1989, people said Michael Keaton's going to be Batman. So just to give you a frame of reference, that's like if somebody he's, said, that's like, because he was a comedic actor. He was kind of on the top of being Mr. Mom. Mr. Like Mr. Mom, Mr. Mom and yeah, gung-ho. Mr. Mom and gung-ho. Yeah, yeah, that'll give you a, a reference point. Yeah, so this is like if today they said Bill Hader was going to play Thanos. Like, it was that yeah. ridiculous Stephon. back in the day. Like, am, am, am I wrong Stephon. about that? I love He'd Stephon kill it, as a character on SNL. <laughs> hey, hey, would kill Stephon. But I feel like he really nailed the balance between the two characters. Like, for example, okay, I love Aflac as a I'm too old for this shit Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I love that portrayal on the Danny Glover Lethal Weapon side of the game, but I don't Plus necessarily find him as Batman. I'm yeah. Rich. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love Val Kilner as Bruce Wayne. Because he was handsome. He he played that part well as Batman, not so much. George Clooney, Christian Bale, we talked about that. He made some weird choices with Batman. I didn't buy him as Bruce, and he made some weird choices as Batman that I just didn't understand. Uh, you know, why is it? You wouldn't give to an ordinary session. Like, what are you doing, man? Shut up. But I feel like Michael Keaton found that perfect balance. I bought him as millionaire, billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne as well as Batman. And I think that I don't think that anybody has done it as well since him. And that's why I have him so high on my list. Ray, got any thoughts on this? They they broke it down pretty well, but he's the OG of of modern superheroes. You know, you can kind of look at from starting at 89, the rise of the new big kind of blockbuster superhero movie. Hell, they've got if, I don't know if it was Batman or if it was the one of the other Batmans, but didn't Prince do the whole soundtrack? It was this one. It was this one. That's a that's a good point, Ray. Like this was a cultural phenomenon. That's how big this was. You got Prince to do the entire soundtrack, which is a pretty good Prince album as well, by the way. If you go back and listen, it's to not it. bad at all. Yes, yes, not bad at all. And to take it into context, to add on to what you guys were saying, you remember it had been a decade since the last big superhero movie, uh, which was Superman two. And we'd seen what happened with Superman three, which bombed for a variety of reasons. So, but I I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Spider-Man, lots of nervousness before that first Batman came out. A lot of it was because of Michael Keaton, because we all thought Michael Keaton. Yeah. He's Mr. Mom. How is he going to pull off Batman? Uh, And then you got word that Jack Nicholson was going to be the Joker. Now that made more sense because everybody saw fucking Jack Torrance from The Shining and said, oh, that's not very far removed from the Joker. Yeah, he's batshit crazy enough to pull that off. And by and large, let's be honest, Jack Nicholson's performance as a Joker, you know, you could split hairs. I mean, like, is Jack Nicholson your Joker or is Heath Ledger your Joker? It's the same kind of argument as far as is Michael Keaton your Batman or is Christian Bale your Batman? Different but equally powerful performances both ways. I I thought Keaton exceeded a lot of people's expectations with the performance that he put in. I don't have a problem with you guys. I mean, he was number eight on my list. Uh, so I don't have a whole lot to add. It's just, it's just, I think it just matters as to what do you perceive Batman to be? Because unlike a lot of the superheroes on the list, Batman kind of has gone through so many different transitions that he can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I think that's coloring part of our opinion here, but great choice. Nonetheless, uh, Pat's choice for number five you know, Ray already talked about it. Christopher Reeve, he's going to be higher on my list. I'm not revealing just how high he is yet. 
Way higher. Yes. Um, anyway, his number four is also going to be higher on my list, and that's Robert Downey Jr.'s performance as Tony Stark slash Iron Man. He's higher on all of our lists. So let's kick it back to PC Tunney for his choice for number four. Well, we're going to slide right over to Chris uh, Platt because Chris Reeve is my number four. So go ahead, Platt, with your number four. My number four is Chadwick Boseman as no. Black Panther. He's higher, my number four too. He's higher on my list. I got him okay. higher on my list. Okay. Okay, cool. So let's wait a minute. Wait a minute. How do black people got him lower than Right? Them? Like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> it's diversity, man. This is the diversity podcast today, baby. This is the shit I was talking about earlier. Like, they feel like they have to have him high on their list no. or else people are going to call him racist. This no, is the shit because if that was earlier. true, I'd have him number I'd have him number one, Chris, and I don't. So. <laughs> Touche. All right. So who's the who's who's next? Ray? Are we looking to raise number four? We just did Chris. Yours is Chadwick, right? Yes. And so is Ray's. And so is Ray's. Yeah. So yeah. my number four is Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Okay, my number seven. Chris is number seven. Ta- Pat, number seven. Here's the thing about Hugh Jackman you're, as Wolverine. You're number seven. Get in line, David. No, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the thing about Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, he was down at, uh, he is Patrick's number seven as well. Uh, here's the thing about Hugh Jackman's performance as Wolverine. Now, not all the Wolverine movies have been, shall we say, great. They've been okay. Wolverine, X-Men Origins, Wolverine was okay. He did excellent in the first two X-Men. Nothing was going to save Last Stand, the abomination of the Dark Phoenix story. It doesn't matter who you put in that movie. But I think Jackman's performance as Wolverine is is one of those super iconic transcendent performances that it is now causing a lot of people at Marvel grief and anxiety as to what do we do with this character now? We have the rights to him. We want to integrate the X-Men. We need to get Wolverine involved. He's one of the most popular Marvel characters that there is. But, and you guys tell me if you think I'm wrong. I think I sense nervousness with Marvel as far as casting. Now, granted, we've all said it. Chris said it on this episode. Marvel doesn't get these decisions wrong. This is going to be tough, though, because you're talking about replacing the guy that everybody associates as Wolverine. Ryan Reynolds associates him as Wolverine. You know, and he says it rhymes with Wolverine, you know, that sort of thing. Um, It's this is going to be difficult because of the job that Hugh Jackman has done portraying this character, portraying the rage of Wolverine, portraying just the essence of what Wolverine is. And the job that Hugh Jackman did as Logan in that last film, I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for that tremendous performance that he put down in a very different movie that was not. X-Men that was not Origins Wolverine that wasn't you know what the the Wolverine with the Silver Samurai that was very different he delivered a magnificent performance that I don't think gets nearly enough credit that's why I've got him at number four because I think his performance is so iconic it creates a lot of nervousness with Marvel as to wow what do we do with this we we want to do something we have to do something who we've put into this role that was an Oscar caliper performance his performance in logan he should have gotten nominated for something that movie was so phenomenal and yeah everything you said dave i agree with a thousand percent he is wolverine and it's ironic because he's like a foot taller than the actual comic book character you know what i mean but he he perfectly embodied 
the essence of Wolverine. He is Wolverine. I don't know how you recast that. That's how iconic that role was. And you remember around the time when X2 came out, that was the standard bear at the time. That movie was so great. And then the the abomination of which Last never stand. happened. Yeah. By the exactly. way. Yeah. yeah, it never happened. <laughs> but yeah. I yeah, I could I couldn't have said it better myself, Dave. Yeah, everything you said, I I second. I'm going to compare this list, the PGA Tour, the World Tennis Association, and superhero movies all together right here. Are you ready? It's like being number one in the world and wrestling. It's like being number one in the world. And for a time, Hugh Jackman was the number one actor playing a superhero in the world. Wolverine was number one to me for a, for a period of time. He was, he was ranked number one. So he, he's very significant as far as the genre is concerned, in my opinion. Um, agreed. Um, great point about being number one act in the world because Moulin Rouge, right? Greatest showman. He's killed it in a bunch of other movies besides Wolverine. Wolverine is the biggest Marvel star sans Superman, sans uh, Spider-Man. Some argue maybe over Spider-Man. Um, I got the perfect guy for you, though. I think the Tom Hardy stuff makes sense because he's a good enough actor to play it and flip it. And because he's short as hell, and so is Logan. Yeah, maybe he. It's gonna be. It's gonna be difficult. I mean, anybody taking that role has got an uphill battle on their hands. Not impossible. Or, or you let the little girl Laura Kinney, I think is her name, mm-hmm. just don't do Logan. And Laura Kinney is the not the girl's name, but the actual character. And just oh, don't X-23? do X twenty three. Do X twenty three. Yeah, they might do. They might do that. But don't you think people are going to, I mean, they're going to want to see Wolverine. I mean, at some point, I, I get what you're saying. It just seems like, oh, man, people are, are going to be expecting that. But but maybe they work around it. Who knows? We'll see. Um, I like Tom Hardy. That's, a, that's, that's an interesting choice. I like that. Yeah. That could work. So it's to me for number three. And my number three is Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. He's higher on PC Tunnies. All right. So let's go to and, yeah. and Chris. Wow. I feel lame all of a sudden. Let's go to your number three, Ray. My number three is probably going to shock you guys, but it's Gal Gadot. Higher on Tunnies. Wow. All right. Let's go. Keep the train a rolling. Chris, what is your number three? I got Luke Skywalker right here. Higher okay, on. Higher. Okay. Wow. Okay. We are just rolling. We just, we just don't want to talk today. I know. We're, we're going to talk a lot in a minute. Uh, PC Tunney, you're number three. My number three is Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. He's higher and on mine. I, okay. Okay. Well, then, you know what? Let's <laughs> Tell me what Patrick's number three Patrick's is. Patrick's number three, he did a Star Wars character as well, but it's not Luke Skywalker. It's Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Oh, uh, I love I love you. I know. I know. <laughs> Next. Okay, so now can we carry on? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Word? No, no love for Harrison Ford in this bitch? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Well, I think I figure we're going to talk about him when we talk about Luke. Um, Patrick's number two was uh, Shamik Morris' portrayal as Miles Morales in Into the Spider Verse. Let me speak to that, if you don't mind, because both him and I both agree that's the best Spider Man movie of all, of all time. He thinks that's the best. Superhero movie of all time. If you watch it and do not judge it on the scale of an animated movie, judge it with the reverence you'd give as any movie. The soundtrack is phenomenal. The way they integrate sound and in, the sounds of, of New York 
with the emotions he feels is way ahead of its time. The voice cast is fantastic. The ideology, real actors. The idea of the kid where he comes from finding himself, the way he finds himself, much similar but very different in the way that Peter had to, with the uh, Peter B. Parker having to refine himself. It is a classic time capsule-esque movie. I wouldn't have thought to put Shameik Moore and Miles Morales up here because I'm doing the biased thing of putting it in the box of animated, but it deserves to be on the list. Fantastic, and it's the only Spider-Man I would have even thought about putting on here. I talked about my deuce chills that I got during the subway scene with Peter Parker. When Miles Morales finally comes into his own and he goes back to Aunt May, played by excellently by Lily Tomlin, by the way. Like this cast is star-studded. Like they've got like some big name heavy hitters in this Mellon Farmer. But when he goes back to the shed and she's sitting there waiting for him and she says, Took you long enough. Oh, I, I, my eyes start to water, man. I didn't cry, but I got tears in my eyes the first time I saw it. Just dog. being honest, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a YouTube video that everybody out here should go watch. That it's like 17 minutes that explains the sounds of the movie, not just not the soundtrack, but the sounds and how the sounds equate to his emotions and what he's going. And how everybody else has different sounds. And when you, you'll hear certain chord progressions that match with his emotion, it's, it's, it blew my mind. I thought, I was just thinking it's a dope-ass movie that happens to be animated. And here it is, they reinvented the goddamn wheel. It's fantastic. It's, I can't say enough about this damn movie. It's a tremendous, a, a, a absolutely tremendous movie. And you know, if you just look at it as an animated movie, then you're doing yourself a disservice. It is... It is tremendous. It is fantastic. And Marvel's not known for their animation. DC really is. But this kind of is is a different animal entirely. With that being said, PC... I I apologize, Dave. Just real quick. Listen to this cast. Like This wasn't just an animated movie. Obviously, Shameik Moore was Spider-Man. We've got Haley Steinfeld, who was nominated for an Academy Award in the True Grit remake. We got Nicolas Cage, Mahershala Ali, Brian Tyree Henry, who plays Paperboy on on um Atlanta, John Mulaney, Lee Shriver, which he played, he was um what was he in Wolverine? He was um um he was Sabretooth, Sabretooth, and he's Wolverine. also right out of it. Yeah, Lily Tomlin, Catherine Hahn, Chris Pine, like Zoe Kravitz, like my God, Lake Bell, like this was a star-studded cast that they have for this movie, and it is so much more than an animated movie. I apologize, Dave. I didn't mean to cut you off, brother. But No, no, but I mean, you raise a great point, though, and and you look at the success of that movie and what it did that they are now, what is the, what is the new Spider-Man, Ray? It's No Way Home? Is that what it's going to be? No Way Home. And, no and, Way Home is coming. Yeah. And they're going to introduce the multiverse and inject it into this movie largely because well, I don't know about largely, but it's certainly influenced by the success of Into the Spider-Verse. And I don't think you can deny that, that that success of that movie and how good that was is going to inject that. And you're going to get your boy, Tobey Maguire, is going to make a cameo. Andrew Garfield is going to make a cameo. Who knows who's going to... We don't know who's going to be Miles Morales. Yeah, it's... it's William Defoe. Bring them all. You know? Yeah, Emma Stone. You know, is she... Are they going to bring... Maybe we get Spider-Gwen. Let's let's hope for something like that, Ray. Tony, I'm you're number two. What do you got at number two, buddy? 
My number two is the gal, all of ours gal, Gal Gadot. And for me, she is the number one superhero in the world right now as far as actors playing superheroes. Like, she personifies Wonder Woman. Like, I don't think anybody else knocks it out of the park as far as playing a superhero character right now. Um, She's not my number one because I think somebody else is a little bit more important. But I just... I look forward to the work that she still has to come. It, uh, hopefully she can still get to continue to play the character in some form or fashion, because I don't think she's done with it. I think she's too important and she's revitalized it too. Well, you talk about the big three in, in Marvel. Um, she's, she surpassed Superman. She's right there with Batman, in my opinion, as far as DC cinematics go right now at this point in time. So, yeah, and and I'm not gonna lie, I'm a heterosexual male, and I think as much as I like Zoe Saldana, I think Gal is is amazing as well. But it, it, that wouldn't mean two shits if she wasn't an excellent actress and portrayed this role excellently. So, to me, it was an easy decision to have her number two on my list. Ray, you had her pretty high. What? Uh... Yeah, number three. All right. Oftentimes, you guys, I jump in here on this podcast with Weave when we do the three-man weave. And I always try to big up and I try to uh, promote and empower women because far too often in this patriarchy, we don't. It was said for years, Dave thinks because Linda Carter was so great, and there's a portion of that, but for years, a, a woman could headline a superhero movie. And Gal Gadot took a franchise that, keep it a buck, we all know who Wonder Woman is, but the overall majority of uh, majority of us don't know her, her origin, don't know anything about the character. All they know is that she's a badass Amazon. It was remembered for Linda Carter and the hokiness of the movie and That's the it. whole thing about the invisible plane and, That's you know, the invisible man the on the beach. And, and, right? and the lasso of truth. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right? There was jokes no more. You don't know about the mascara, Hippolyta. You don't know about any of that shit. She took that and turned it into a billion-dollar franchise and gave it and that character a level of grace that Linda Carter didn't even give. And now she is the shining star, like you said, of that DC Cinematic Universe. So much like with Chadwick, the thing she had to overcome to become mainstream and become accepted and become the standard, right? Those are three hurdles she had to climb. All three of them were separate. On top of the fact that the movie had to be good and she had to kill the role. She deserves the spot to me because I don't know if anybody else could have done it. I don't know if anybody else could have carried that burden. I know we're not too happy with her now, some of us, but that's irrelevant because when it comes to playing Wonder Woman, yeah, the only reason she's not number one much like Tony is because I think with the exception of our good brother Dave, there's only one person that could be number one. <laughs> well, we we will be talking about that. Um, as far as Gal Gadot, you know, you mentioned Linda Carter, and 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 I mentioned it last week that Linda Carter's performance was so transcendent that it scared. Similar to the Hugh Jackman discussion we just had, it scared DC for years as to bring out a Wonder Woman movie because, like, who do we put in there? They're gonna they're gonna fail in comparison to Linda Carter, and and, and Gal, to her credit, 
redefined the role and made it so that you look at Gal Gadot and say, yeah, that's Wonder Woman. And, and she doesn't look, she doesn't have Linda's size. She's not the prototype that you think of. When you look at Wonder Woman in the comics, Wonder Woman is ripped. You know, Gal is not. She, exactly, Ray. But, you know, at the same time, her her performance, though, overcame any of those sorts of, like, perceived shortcomings. I know, like, my wife has complained she's too thin. That's not what I think of when I think of Wonder Woman. And I'm like, yeah, but she knocks it out of the park with her performance and everything else that she does. And she gets across the point of Wonder Woman. And I thought the Snyder Cut did a, did I, I loved her in that variation of the Justice League. Yep. She is Wonder Woman. And, and yeah, Wonder Woman 1984 was kind of a, a little bit disappointing in some respects. It wasn't the worst thing in the world, but, but yeah, I, I love your guys pick. I had gal down at nine, right? Lower on and the list, but it's a, it's just, a great call. This is important, Dave. Just as important, Dave. About if you notice, if you, if you'll note a lot of these people, we're, we're saying this about them. This is important. She's great as Wonder Woman, but she's fantastic as Diana Prince. And that's massively underrated. Right. You, a lot of people can do one. Not everybody can be both. Right. And, th- and that's the important thing with all of these roles, almost all of them to a T, you're playing two different roles. You're playing the superhero, but you're playing the secret identity. Or sometimes it's not a secret identity. It's just an alternate identity. Uh, but you've got to do both really equally well. And the people who have excelled in these roles are all the people who do that. So uh, great call, Tony. Chris, what's your number two? My number two is probably Ray and Tunney's number one. Yes, my number two is Howard the Duck, which emanated from the great city of Cleveland, Ohio. (laughs) Shout out to Howard the Duck, man. He got to bang. He got to knock off prime Leah Thompson. Like, don't act like Leah Thompson wasn't a snack in the 80s. Between Back to the Future, Howard the Duck. He caused problems behind the scenes because he was was asking him to bring in Margot Kidder. Shut up. (laughs) Margot Kidder, Maggie Gyllenhaal. That's that's what he was looking for. Jesus. Well, yeah, he's clearly an alien, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like that's we we've we've got much better sample sizes on Earth. Howard, get it together. My number two is sample size. That's funny. My number two is Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, and I'm sure we're gonna get to that because I, I, I think Dave and I are kind of on the same wavelength. We might number one. We might be. We might be. Uh, yeah. Ray, what is yeah. your what is yeah. your number two? It is the page. Well, not the page. Yeah, you kind of. It's the the main person behind the Skywalker saga of Star Wars. It's Luke Skywalker. I want to. I want. I want to say why I picked him over Han Solo. Han Solo, though. Does anybody have him higher? Because so we can get into this. Okay, cool. Go ahead, Ray. We're the only two that I even had him on our list. Platt. Apparently so, which is weird, right? I was informed. Is... I thought it was under the impression it was superheroes. I considered that sci-fi. I, I I have a very strong connection to the Force. I appreciate your pick. Don't fucking yell Clearly at me. Clearly not. <laughs> Clearly not. Well, let me take you something, Tony. Han Solo is a better character. But the entirety of that entire franchise is built around one person, and that's Luke Skywalker. I might, some of us might say he's the most powerful character. He's the most powerful character in the Star I Wars. Would agree with that. Patrick, 
Patrick, he's the most powerful character. Yeah, yeah it's not R two D. R two D two doesn't project himself astrally across a fucking galaxy. <laughs> he's the most intellectual, intelligent, informational character, but he is not the most powerful character. You don't know what he says, Tony. Shut the fuck up. You don't know what the fuck he be talking about. I had to take. Oh no, I know what I'm talking about. I, I had to take my risk. No, what R two D two be talking about? You don't know what the fuck he be talking about. You damn right. Yeah, he's just hiding secrets because he can't talk. That's all it is. Um, no, the importance of who he is to the to the franchise. And when I was thinking of my list, and I was thinking of the top people on my list, yeah, you had to kill the role. Yeah, you had to have a great movie and this, that, and the other. But also was the importance of the movie to pop culture. And other than the MCU, the only other franchise that can touch what they've done in totality is Star Wars. And Star Wars is built around nine movies in three different decades. Luke Skywalker. What what's bigger, you guys? MCU or Star Wars? MCU, not even close. Oh no, Star Wars. Not even close. Not even now, close. Oh, now it's the MCU. It wasn't always now the case. MCU, but I you got forty years worth of Star Wars lore. Like you can't just throw that away. You know what I mean? It's been a a, a viable entity for forty plus years. Sure, but you can't put. They, uh, there wasn't no Iron Man movie in 1982. It's not Star Wars problem. There wouldn't have been an Iron Man movie if Star Wars didn't hit, though. Like, I like MCU. I like the MCU better, but you can't, which is why I had Luke so high on my list. Was I going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> which is why I had Luke so high on my list, though, hey, man, because listen, the story Pew Pew is a fucking accepted fucking sound effect for a long time. Pew Pew. Don't be down in Pew Pew Pew, okay? Face don't make no noise, fool. Listen, motherfucker. I was saying the reason I had Luke so high on my list is because of the historic significance of the Star Wars franchise. And it's funny, going back and watching those movies as an adult, Luke Skywalker was a bitch throughout the entire saga. But, But as a kid, Luke was the man to me. You know what I mean? Luke doesn't turn into full bitch till... Here it comes, Patrick, Last Jedi, where he turns into this emo, whiny little fuck that kind of destroys the whole Luke Skywalker mythos. He was always the emo, whiny little fuck. Yeah. Always. <laughs> but, but, but at the same time, the thing that makes Luke great is that he, he always holds to his ideals. And, and, you know, in the original trilogy where he redeems his father, we're holding on to this glimmer of hope that he can turn his father to the good side. You know, and even in, in, in Luke's journey, you know, all bullshitting aside about Last Jedi and Luke's problems and his lack of confidence in himself and him reconciling himself with who he is. It's all wonderful. It's a fantastic story. Luke Skywalker is tremendous. As far as Han Solo, uh, I I think I'm with you guys. I've always preferred Luke over Han Solo. I, I love Han. He's a great character. Uh, he is a scoundrel. Let's get that out of the way. He's always been a scoundrel. He will always be a scoundrel. But Han's evolution in the story is probably a little bit more interesting than Luke simply because he goes from scoundrel to hero along the way. Luke was always heroic and and, and he ends up being a Jedi and he redeems his dad. He takes down Darth Vader and he does all this stuff. So you could see arguments both ways. I've always kind of preferred Luke because he's a Jedi. Han, you're not. 
I'd much rather hang out and have a beer with Han Solo. Oh, absolutely. He's just a much cooler guy. But yeah, the entire Star Wars universe revolves around Luke. Yeah, Luke's loyalty. You know, he gives up his training on Dagobah to go rescue his friends. I mean, it's all good, wholesome stuff, which I know a lot of people don't like because it reminds them of Superman. But anyway, I digress. I, I love the pick. I mean, I didn't think Star Wars when I put my list together and I wasn't going to change it midstream. But I love the pick, Luke Skywalker, number two. So that brings us, I believe, Ray, to your, you are going to kick off the home run, the end run, the home stretch of number one. No, sir. You kick off the home stretch. Oh, sir. you're right. That's me. I don't think we got, did we get your number no, two? No, we didn't get my yeah, number two. your number two. My number two is Chadwick Boseman. Was T'Challa. Yeah, your number two was T'Challa. Yeah. And I've got him ranked highest. Is that is that what you guys are telling me out of everybody I've got? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And here's a problem. And and Patrick, I'm going to have to ask Patrick to explain this. this. this (laughs) So here's my issue. Patrick doesn't have him anywhere on his list, not in his top 10. And I'm almost thinking that's got to be an oversight. But I defer. I want him to, in addition to telling us why Chris Evans is number one, which I don't really have a problem with. I do have a bit of a problem with Chadwick Boseman not being anywhere on the top 10, especially because I know Patrick loves that performance. So I'm confused. That notwithstanding. We're going to call Pat to the carpet, man. You had to bring your ass to church and explain yourself, sir. Yes. Uh, Let me throw my two cents in here real quick. Uh, I had him number three, and I equate him a lot to to Heath Ledger in having a single performance uh, on a a character and just knocking it out of the fucking park. And, And that's why I have him at number three on my list. So I'm sure you guys are going to get into it a little bit more in depth. And again, this is, this is a white guy talking about a black movie, black Panther, but I can still recognize the fact that you, that movie was so important for so many reasons that you had to get the right person in there and they're not just the right person, the right person leading. And they put that mantle on Chadwick Boseman. And like Tony says, he knocked it out of the park. You had to deliver in that role. He delivered and then some. And and not everybody could have done that. And 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 to make that movie so culturally significant, and it, I'm not just saying it was him. It was everybody involved in that movie. From Ryan Coogler to everybody in, involved in that movie. They all did it. But Chadwick had the most important role out of anybody because if Black Panther fails, if he doesn't deliver, the whole movie, the foundation of the movie starts to crumble. He delivered. And then some and made that movie culturally significant to the world, not just, you know, not just black people, but to the world. And I, I, I just think that his performance was so tremendous and so excellent that, yeah, I've got him a number two because there's only one <laughs> raise, right? But there's only one person that I'm going to put above that. But, you know, at the same time, yeah, Chadwick's performance was absolutely masterful. And I mean, and, and just like we've talked about it on the show before his realization like everything that killmonger says to him when he goes to the nether realm where he goes there and says you guys have had this wrong we need to do something about this we need to fix this i reject my ancestry because you guys are fucking idiots and we need to fix that his portrayal of that and you saw glimpses of that in what was it uh civil war where he first where you first see him you see glimpses of it but you get the full measure of the whole thing in black panther it's a phenomenal performance. That's why I've got him so high. I yield to you guys. 
Shout out to my Jewish brethren because I couldn't have said that better myself. You Thank got you. us, you, and I want to say you—you you, you mentioned that he is—he uh, was the right guy for the job. Remember, Chadwick was chosen to play. Um, uh, shit, J- um, Jackie Robinson he was chosen to play uh, James Brown. He was also chosen to play the number one pick for Chris Platt's uh, Cleveland Browns draft day, baby. <laughs> yeah, he killed he that also- role. That role was racist as hell, but he killed it. If that makes sense. Also, uh, you're right. Yes, son, so old Sonny Weaver Jr. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he <laughs> he was also Thurgood Marshall. I was just reminded. We said that already. Thank you. He, Thank he you. was Thurgood Marshall, and Thurgood Marshall is my color. But whatever. <laughs> Look, movie. <laughs> uh, but it but it goes to show that there is there he has a light about him as we've seen since he's unfortunately passed. That shows that there there's a reason why he keeps getting chose for these roles to. Bring these magnanimous characters to life, and T'Challa is as magnanimous in the comics as it gets. And now he will forever be associated with T'Challa, and he he played the role more than Heath did because Heath killed it with one role, and there'll never be another Joker compared to Heath. He had a few more performances as that, but he his role was so important first and foremost that a, a predominantly black cast, the black lead. A black director, a black writer, a black producer in this was nominated for Best Picture, number one, and a billion dollar maker. But two, it's so important that one of the linchpin characters of the MCU will never be replaced. That goes to show you his power. Yeah, they've got an impossible. I, I mean, and it, and it, his loss, we've talked about before about. And remember, after he passed, and Chris had made a specific request to come on bandwagon nerds to talk about that and we we speculated then do they recast him or do they just write around him and it looks like they're going to write around him i'm not sure how they're going to pull all that off going forward i mean how do you do the mcu without black panther you're going to have to get a new black panther at some time it won't be t'challa though but yeah his his loss cast a very large pall over the mcu going forward but i'm thrilled that we're going to get wakanda forever next year um Unless anybody else has anything else to say about Chadwick, it is it is time for me to say Ray Talk Cash. Talk about Superman, bro. Huh? Go ahead. Yeah, Ray, Talk about Superman. Ray you Cash was right. He's my number one. He, I think he might be Christopher Platt's number one as well. Um, he's PC Tunney's number four. It is, and we talked at year number six. So we talked about him, and it was Patrick's number five. So we all had him. We talked about him at the outset. It's Christopher Reeve's performance as Clark Kent slash Superman. When you look at the only thing that I could put above Chadwick when I look at this and I say, okay, guys who are the role. And on top of that, like Chris Hemsworth, guys who came out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, Christopher Reeve was nobody. Nobody knew really. He was like a, wasn't he like a, a Broadway actor? He did plays and stuff like that. And then the next thing you know, he is thrust into the role of the most important, whether you like him or not. The whole reason we had that discussion at the beginning is because Superman is the most iconic superhero in history i don't care who, who you want to talk about to and at the time we're talking 1978 so the whole debate about white superman black superman doesn't matter at that point in time you had to get the right person for that role or it was going to fail and i don't think you could have another superman other than christopher reeve and we talked about playing both sides of the coin masterfully christopher reeve Playing as Clark Kent, the bumbling, stumbling, 
just awkward as fuck guy. And then what he does is Superman where he goes and he's not that way anymore. And he just shows up and it's like, he's just badass, and he does everything and he's got all that confidence and he just comes across as a completely different character. That is the kind of shit that people you just don't see anymore. And the reason why Henry Cavill, I know Pat likes to give me, tease me about my love for Henry Cavill. The reason why Henry Cavill doesn't measure up as Superman is because he's not Clark Kent. It is the same character, whether it's Superman or it's Clark Kent, it's the same. There's no dividing line. Brandon Ralph did it really well. He was excellent as Clark Kent. He was excellent as Superman. Maybe not as good as super as, as the Superman role. He was a better Clark Kent. Christopher Reeve just absolutely killed it. It is it is a role, it is a performance that has made it so difficult to replicate that they're still looking for it. And whoever gets the role next, whether he's white, black, anything, he's got a huge, huge obstacle standing in front of him, and it's the memory of Christopher Reeve. I'm done. Let me piggyback off of this because Christopher Reeves as Superman is also my top pick as well. And I... I literally gave Dave a standing ovation during his soliloquy. Ray saw it, and he kind of laughed a little bit. But, yeah, I literally gave you a standing ovation. Yeah, there's a reason there hasn't been a decent Superman movie in 40 years. And, Dave, you hit it on the head, man. Because not only was Christopher Reeve a good Superman, you got this six-foot-four, blue-eyed, handsome melon farmer, a classically trained actor that could stand for truth, justice, and the American way, and all that goody-goody Boy Scout shit that Superman is known for. But he was also able to pull off the Clark Kent role, and I don't think anybody has been able to pull off that Clark Kent role since him. Yeah, Brandon Roth, he got close, but just the physical transformation between Superman and Clark Kent. Like it that that I mean he he would slunch his shoulders. He'd always be pulling his glasses up. He was fumbling, bumbling, stumbling on the Chris Berman side of the game. Like it made it conceivable because the premise is absolutely ridiculous. Like you melon farmers are journalists and you can't figure out that this melon farmer right next to you is fucking God. Like you know Chris, what I mean? but, it's glasses. The glasses make the difference. It throws everybody <laughs> off. But, I mean, he was so believable as Clark Kent that it was believable that they didn't see that this stumbling, bumbling, rumbling Melon Farber was God next to him this whole time. That's how well he played the Clark Kent part. Like, he is. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, whether you like it or you hate it, Superman is the preeminent comic book hero. Point blank. Period. Yes, Marvel has more of the market share, but it's Superman and then it's everybody else. It, it is what it is. You, you don't have to like what I say, but that doesn't make it untrue. And I don't like Christopher it. Reeve, well, that's cool, but that doesn't make it untrue. But in Christopher Reeve, he just totally killed this role. He, he just did. Like He is the standard. He's the blueprint. He's the icon. And yeah. Whoever comes after him, that brother better bring his working boots because he's going to have big shoes to fill. T'Challa Kent. Chris got Sasha Banks on the mind. T'Challa Kent. Icon. Tony, chill. (laughs) You guys got any comments about Christopher Reeve before we move on to your number one? 
Hey, cool, but he's Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, For those of you listening, if you have not heard the Die Tribe, while Dave is one of my favorite people, I just I completely have a lot of disdain. Thanks, buddy. I mean, hey, y'all cool too. Hey, Al. <laughs> All right. Unless unless Tony's got anything to say about Christopher Reeve, let's move on to your guys number one. Because it's obviously Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. I, I love you guys 3,000. Please, go on. I, I want Ray to kick off that conversation. But like I always do before I get to my number one, and we'll let Ray start the Tony Stark conversation with Robert Downey Jr. I just want to run down. I got a top 20. A few we didn't mention. Just run them down real quick. I had number 12. I had John Luke Picard as Professor X. Uh, 12, 13. 13 i had chris platt chris not chris platt, patrick chris stewart patrick stewart is professor x <laughs> oh yeah john luke picard i said hey it shout out for sunny i made the top 20 baby chris platt as a black man from cleveland living in the south uh chris Pratt as quill uh 15 ray fisher is cyborg in Zack snyder's cut is an unbelievably excellent job of storytelling a fucking character and and i absolutely loved it i love cyborg i i love what um uh joe van wade does on on um doom patrol doom, doom patrol as well uh what else we got on here cavill is superman 18 for me scarjo black widow 19 so that's honorable mentions for me ray tell everybody why we think tony stark hey before you do that i want to give a shout out paul rudd is ant-man fantastic good shout out um so as the legendary rick flair likes to say oldest ride large longest line for robert Downey jr biggest company biggest franchise biggest star i can leave it at that but i could go a little i got the iron man shirt on to go a little deeper into it you were talking about um Somebody, I can't remember what you're talking about at this point, but you were talking about how um, it may have been it may have been Christopher Reeves, but think about where Donnie's come from. When Donnie got the role, he was so low on the totem pole that he could only got five hundred thousand dollars. Terrence Howard got paid the big bills for that, right? They were completely hedging their entire bets for an entire franchise on the backs of Robert Donnie Jr. What's going on with your Iron Man, man? Hey, man. Say, man. <laughs> hey, only the black people get that joke. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. So Amber's going to crack up when she listens to, to this on Tuesday. <laughs> I'm headed on the plane, man. <laughs> hey, where you at, bro? I'm driving down South Main, man. <laughs> Sorry. You Sorry. sound like the limo uh, driver in that Chris Rock skit where he's taken to the ghetto and he doesn't know he's no, that's taken uh, there. Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah Dave, Dave Chappelle. Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's um, up? Where you from, dog? Oh, DC, that's cool. <laughs> that's a rough place. Hold on, I gotta take uh, this call. On, on, on. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> I gotta Get make a stop. Track, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Get back on track, gentlemen. Sorry. Thank you, Tony. For no, I, meant, me. I, meant you, I meant when you're gonna do to Dave Chappelle, you gotta be real quiet about it. You gotta be real quiet. 
Okay. Just to get so we can be done with this. I'm ending um, the voice. Uh, the important where it came again. from. I'm sorry. The importance of him in the role. This is a game uh, I play with. Play. Thank you, thank you, Tony. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> um, yeah, just so important to the biggest franchise in the world. The the undisputed number one character, number one actor, and you can you literally can't separate Robert Downey Jr. from Tony Stark. They almost are one and the same. Like at one point, you start asking yourselves, "Is this motherfucker acting, or is he just like on set as himself?" You know, um, most important character in the biggest movies in history, literally history, in game the biggest movie ever. Um, and there is no MCU, literally, without Iron Man and Rob Downey Jr. So, you know, I only think it's close. Do you think we're doing this show today, right now, if no. Stark and them don't kick all this? I mean, this is... Not hell no. This so, show, this show is a text in. message thread between us. That's what it is. Right. The world we live in, as far as, you know, appropriating uh, the bandwagon nerds pop culture side of things, kicked off with that and just snowballed like a motherfucker, right? We hit all the milestones that happened along the way, and since then, the things that have been important... But this is much like, you know, you got Christopher Reeve bringing back the cinematic superhero there. You you got hitting the big time once again with Tony Stark. And this is why I had him at my number two, because it, it's funny, because all of the history that we have and we know about Robert Downey Jr. Number one, he's one of the greatest living American actors, period. Like that, that I think that goes without saying. Like, if, go back, go back and watch his Chaplin. He totally nailed that role as in Chaplin. Sherlock Holmes. He nailed Sherlock Holmes. Like he's phenomenal. But it's funny. But I I don't even know what you said. You were breaking up. Is he Dave? Is he in Fern Gully? He might be. He should be. But this. You know, just the history that we know about Robert Downey, how he overcame his his demons and his vices and his addictions. You know what I mean? It, it It's really the Tony Stark character as Robert Downey Jr. It's really akin to Charlie Sheen in two and a half men, because like Ray pointed out, like, is he really acting? No, he's not really acting. Like we feel like we're actually watching Charlie Sheen on television, just playing Charlie Sheen. And I felt like that the Robert Downey character as Tony Stark, I feel like that was the exact same bag that he was in. I mean, it was, it, yeah, he, he played it to a hilt. And the the story arc, because number one, he kicked off the whole MCU, but the story arc, he starts out as this narcissistic, selfish, only out for himself and then by the time we get to the end, this melon farmer literally sacrificed himself for the greater good. Like that story arc through and those twenty three movies. He did the alcoholic uh, arc. It wasn't as pronounced in the as it was in the comics, but he did that. The massive bouts of PTSD he dealt with. He 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 did it all. Go back and watch Civil War and his acting in that. The part where he's talking to um, Steve. In the wherever they are in Munich or whatever, and he gives talking about the pin, and you see him start grabbing at his chest, but you don't even realize that he's showing you that he's having a panic attack, but you don't see it. 
You don't notice it until later on in the movie. Like it, beautiful acting, fantastic. Even in the first Avengers, when he's talking to Bruce Banner, and yep. he's telling him, "Hey, you need to figure out how to merge the two. Like you know, because Bruce at this time he's still thinking like Hulk is a curse, and Tony is telling him, "No, you, you know, no, that's yeah, that's what makes you special." And then you know you fast forward to Endgame because in that first oh. Avengers he's saying I, I well I feel like you know Tony's like hey I feel like you know this happened for a reason and you know Bruce is like well yeah when you find it out let me know and then Endgame that was the reason because of the gamma radiation he was the only mother farmer that could conceivably survive by snapping his fingers with all five Infinity Stones and yeah you're, yeah you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards <laughs> man man. Man. What I'll say about Robert Downey Jr., because I had him three, Patrick had, had him number four, so we're all kind of in the same spot. You guys have said it. He, I mean, we talked earlier about fringe characters and, and characters that were thrust to the forefront. Iron Man was not exactly renowned as a key player in, in Marvel. Yes, he's looked upon by a lot of people like us, nerds, very fondly, but he wasn't. See, Marvel didn't have a big three. I said that earlier. But the performances of three guys on our list, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., gave them a big three. Um, Robert Downey hey, Jr.'s... Say, would you say lower mid-card? Iron Man was like lower mid-card? Probably mid-card. Yeah, probably I, a mid Iron Man, Iron Man is Kane because he's always been a main member of the Avengers, but he was never number one. He was, he's always, he was Tito right. Santana. And he's... At, Iron Man Santana. And Iron Man was Reeve. absent for long periods of time. Christopher Reeve is Hogan. Robert Downey Jr. is Stone Cold. Nah, I could see that. Not, not in the comics. Not in the comics. Oh, oh, you talking about? You say Robert Downey Jr. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I, you know, and you mentioned it, and I didn't think about it. Um, it probably helped him a lot, and I, that all of Robert Downey Jr.'s demons, he had his own issues, his own problems that, ironically enough, mirrored a lot of what Tony Stark had to go through. So I think that really helped Robert Juni, Robert Downey Jr. acclimate to the role because he was going nowhere. I mean, the last thing I'd remember, this is Derek Lutz from Back to School. He was in fucking Chances Are with Sybil Shepard and, and, and doing shit like that. He was going nowhere. He was on Saturday Night Live. Yes. He was a cast member on SNL. Yes. And then the next thing you know, he takes this role and he makes it his own. And not only does he make it his own, he launches the most successful movie franchise in the world. In history, basically, at this point in time, I don't know the numbers between that and Star Wars, but you can't understate what he did. And I love what you guys said. The evolution of his character from narcissistic, egotistical asshole to understanding that, you know, he's got to sacrifice everything. And remember, in, in, in Endgame, he says, you know, get back what we lost. Yes. Keep what I have at all costs. And in the end, he gives that up. He gives that up for everybody. And it's just such an amazing, wonderful moment. The death of Iron Man is one of those scenes that, you know, I still can't watch it without tearing up. And then the message to his daughter at the end, it's phenomenal. I've got no issues with you guys putting Robert Downey Jr. at number one. It's a great call. That's it, I fellas. I swear to God, the only reason I didn't cry when Iron Man died in Endgame, because I was tearing up. There were literal, literal tears in my eyes. But we were in the movie theater. And the guy that was next to me, this is all I hear from him. <laughs> and I said to myself, no, I'm not going out like that. No, I'm not doing this shit in the goddamn theater. I refuse to let these 
water drops in my eyes fall down my fucking cheeks. Because I'm not going out like that, Melon Farmer. But other than that, yeah, I would have been balding like a baby. Great stuff, guys. Excellent list for everybody involved, including our friend Patrick, who does have... Patrick got a little ex- some, some splaining to do. I know he's going to say, it's my list. Fuck you guys. All right. If that's your explanation, that's fine. But Chadwick Boseman, not on your top 10. I, I, I don't, I don't get that. Anyway, guys, I'm not Patrick. I don't have any questions for you other than let people know where can they check you out on all the social media networks and all that good stuff. Let us start with our guest, the one and only Christopher Platt. Chris, where can people check you out at? Again, man, thank you guys for having me on. I always have a ball every time I come on this show. Like, I get to, like, literally just nerd the fuck out, and that's so cool. Thank you, guys. I love each and every one of you. You all can find me on the Twitter at the Real C Platt. Also, Pod is War debuts every Thursday on thejizzshot.com. We're going to get three-man weave back together. It's been some situations and circumstances. I promise it's coming back. And I said it on the pod, so now we're locked into it. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it See is. See you but in yeah. four weeks, guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, to pick and roll. You know, they formerly the three-man weave. Tune in to pick and roll with PC Tunney and Christopher Black. <laughs> but, but all jokes aside, man, thank you guys for having me on, man. This was an absolute blast. I always have a good time coming on here, and I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you. And I, I love you all. 3,000. We love you, 3,000. Ray, Reverend, where can people check you out at? So you can find my business page at Fern Gully Forever. But you can find... <laughs> But you can find my burner account at It's Ray Cash. That's R-E-Y as in Mysterio. C-A-S-H as in dollars. Where are we sending hate tweets to this week, Ray? Send them hate tweets to at Wrestling Realist. That's W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G without the I. Hashtag. Yeah. Patrick's new hashtag. No Chadwick? Question mark. I didn't realize you stole Tunney's gimmick. <laughs> I like that. Hashtag no Chadwick. <laughs> Tony, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me at PC Tony. Please continue your listenership to everything on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Find it on all your favorite streaming platforms and exclusively at thechairshot.com as well. Patrick, my my day after birthday brother, I hope you had a great day. It sucks you had to work, but uh, hopefully you come home. Have a nice stiff drink, a good dinner, enjoy some time with the family, and we'll see you next week, brother. Indeed. As far as me, you can check me out on Twitter at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression, and make sure you are checking Bandwagon Nerds out on the Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds. That's going to do it for this episode. Next week, fellas, our top 10 heroes from independent comics. That's going to be a fun one. Interesting stuff. Tony's already like, what the fuck do I do? You'll figure it out, PC. You always do. Until next time, guys, get out of the basement. Maybe get out of the attic, as we were discussing earlier. It might be the attic. Could be the basement. Wherever you're going to get out of, just get out. Get some air. Get some sunshine. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds, part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. 
All right, listen up. Until we can close that portal, our priority is containment. Barton, I want you on that roof. Eyes on everything. Call out patterns and strays. Stark, you got the perimeter. Anything gets more than three blocks out, you turn it back or you turn it to ash. Can you give me a lift? Right. Better clench up, Legolas. Thor, you gotta try and bottleneck that portal. Slow him down. You got the lightning. Light the bastards up. You and me, we stay here on the ground. We keep the fighting here. And Hulk. <sighs> Smash. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Tony, what's going on? Tell me you found that cube. Oh, you gotta be shitting me. I have eyes on Loki, 14th floor. I'm not Loki. And I don't want to hurt you. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. I know. Avengers! Assemble. Attorney will be in touch with you about the damage to the door. Otis, uh, take the gentleman's cape. I don't think he wants me to, Mr. Luthor. All right, Luthor, where's the gas pellet? Somewhere. <laughs> it's in the back of my mind, actually. <laughs> this is a little idea I was toying with. Is that how a warped brain like yours gets its kicks? By planning the death of innocent people? No. By causing the death of innocent people. Yes, I'm here to fight for truth and justice in the American way. <laughs> You're going to end up fighting every elected official in this country. I'm sure you don't really mean that, Lois. I don't believe this. Lois? Hmm? I never lie. So I thought I'd probably better record a little greeting in the case of an untimely death on my part. I mean, not that death at any time isn't untimely. This time travel thing that we're going to try and pull off tomorrow, it's, it's, it's got me scratching my head about the survivability of a home. That's the thing. And again, that's the hero gig. Part of the journey is the end. What am I even tripping for? Everything's going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. I love you 3,000. <laughs>